Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday for Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. And happy Friday, kids. How are we doing? Good. Doing great. Doing How are you? Great. Ready for the weekend, I'm ready. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm it's nice and cool weekend. outside. This feels like Ooh, fall. Our CD said, fall. "What? What it, does this feel this like?" Football season. There you go. There well, we you, go. It, football season doesn't really start really until you can see your breath. Like when you can <laughs> okay. and, and see it, uh-huh. then it then it is football season. Everything before that is kind of you know preseason. It, it, preseason. Yeah. <laughs> this is the regular season. This is the season when, now. When the season starts. Yeah. And it starts to matter. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. On this show, we're going to talk to the head coach at Lindenwood, Jed Stugart, plus Jay Delsing is going to join us. Our weekly visit with Joe Vitale. He was with the Blues in Dallas last night, and the Blues came away with a W. Also, we're going to have our first visit of 23-24 with Robert Thomas, and our buddy Michelle Smallman will join us in the 9 o'clock hour as well. She's on the air. She was just on the air before us. She's yeah. still on the air, but then once she's off the air, then she's going to come to a place where we can let her talk. There you go. That feels targeted, Randy. Right. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay out of that. We're just going to let uh, Mich- Michelle open up with her opinions about what's going on in St. Louis sports. Because in, in New York, mm-hmm. she doesn't get to talk Cardinals all the time. Well, she can talk about her passion, the Cardinals and the Fighting Illini. ILL. Does she I want to I. talk about the Cardinals right now? That's Later on in the show, by the way, we'll talk about Illinois' uh, rivalry games that are coming up. Did you see the schedule CD in the Big Ten? I did. Every year, do you like it? I I, I do. You get Purdue, you get Northwestern, you get, who was the other one? I think we're going going to Oregon, I think. Yeah, Um, but there's three annual rivalry games that you get. I didn't look at it that that closely. So it's, uh, you're pretty lucky. Purdue, Northwestern. Yeah, those are two. Is it Iowa? And Iowa, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I could could figure that out. (laughs) But like Ohio State's only rivalry game is Michigan. They've only, they've only got one. That's the Michigan. only game they care about. Yeah. But yeah. Michigan gets Michigan State and Ohio State. Yeah. It's just weird. Fortunately for the Fighting Illini, you have the rivalries that you have. You don't have Michigan and Ohio State. Well, no. We we are a rival to them. They aren't our uh-huh. rival. Right. So exactly. We, we understand the pecking order. We, we have. But here's the thing. We've beaten Michigan and Ohio State. So, you know, I, I've been a part of those wins. So I, I can I can talk my talk just a little bit. Congratulations. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say it. You just, uh, you just go up to Orlando Pace and say, man, I own you. I mean, I, Randy, we were 2-2 two and two against Ohio State in, in the college. And, oh. we lost, and the two games we lost were by a total of 10 points. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> we wow. lost one in overtime. You remember who was coaching Ohio State? It was Trestle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. That, it was that We lost okay. in overtime the year they went to the national championship game. Got cheated. Outright cheated at home. Well, I, sir, commend you yeah. for beating Ohio State. Our St. Louis Blues will... This will be the regular season. One week from today, we'll be talking about the Blues opener. Finally. I, yesterday at the Blues Media Luncheon, which was delicious. CD, you missed out on some I fantastic some food. Really food. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, we, we were all talking about, we're just ready for the preseason to be done. Yeah. It almost feels like the preseason goes on a little bit too long. Yeah. And you just want to get into the actual season at this point. Yeah. I, I am interested because there are so many. We You sent the, the message about... Maybe Baruby being on the hot seat from ESPN yeah. from an ESPN article. What is you, that about? You have had the athletic writers talking about how poor they think this team is going to be. Now let's be honest. They, the Blues didn't give people anything to be excited about last season. There yes. was a lot of bad play. Um, but let, I'm excited to see if this team is able to turn it around. Now, are they going to show the effort and energy that I didn't feel that they showed every single night? Are they going to play hard on the defensive end? Are they going to do the job that they need? To, are they going to? Are they going to play? Are their forwards going to get back, skate back, and and be a part of the defense? Like all yeah. of those things were things that we didn't see last year, and. I understand, like, Blues fans wanting to be upset about writers writing this, but that's what they saw last year. And they didn't have many – they haven't had uh, uh, drastic upgrades to make you say this, this team is going to be drastically different. Seems to me, though, if you're going to talk about a coach being on the hot seat, you might want to talk to somebody in the organization. Uh, you know, we, well, people make their opinions based on what they believe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't what necessarily mean. Yeah. I remember in 1985, true. Whitey Herzog was going to be the first manager fired in baseball. How'd that season go? <laughs> yeah, 101 wins, <laughs> World Series. Oh. Yeah. The heat oh. is on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Blues did beat the Dallas Stars last night by a score of 4-0. to nil. Somebody's trying to fool me on our cut sheet here because it says Blues versus Wild. I know the Blues played the Stars. Are you I know sure? That, I am sure. Okay. It was right here on 101 ESPN. And Justin Falk scoring 539 into the game to give the Blues a 1-0 lead. No scoring in the second, but then in the third, things opened up. Robert Thomas with his second of the preseason from Cairo and Krug. And then at the 18-16 mark with the Blues on the power play. Hayes straight away sets up the five on three. Krug to Hayes. Goal line. Backdoor oh. shot on and They scored. Robert Thomas bounced it off the pad of the goaltender. Looked like it initially had stayed out, but then it went in off the inside of his leg and in. Three to nothing, St. Louis, a power play goal. Had to go Bobby T, and you heard Hayes and Krug also on that play and on the assists for the Blues on the power play. Jake Neighbors scored at the 1929 mark, and the Blues win it by a score of 4-0. Jordan Bennington, 24 saves for the shutout. Ooh, there you go. That's what you want to see in that whole game. Now, I know it's just preseason, and this isn't real, but you did have a very veteran-heavy lineup, and this kind of looks like what you're expecting to see when the Mm -hmm. season starts here soon for the Blues. Robert Thomas getting the two goals. Jordan Bennington looking fantastic. I really hope that it's something that they can continue to build off of because we know last season – getting off to the start that they did really seemed to kind of derail things for them. They were oh. off to that. Remember, they, they were 3-0. They win that game 2-0 in Edmonton. And, oh, yeah, that was and they, bad. And, and now you talk to people and you look back and they're in the midst of it. We were sitting here talking about I, I think there was a game in November or December where they lost in Philadelphia. And I said, Kerry, that's as good as they can play. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> that was, it, it was because they, they that played. Was it was actually, they played a clean game. Yeah. But they still got hammered. 
hopefully that doesn't happen again this year. But it's interesting to, to have people now look back and say, man, after 11 games, we were done. It, it, three and eight. I mean, three, yeah, was it three and eight? At one yeah, point, we were yeah. like, oh, this is bad. And then we had an eight-game losing streak. Did we have 10 or 11 games? I think yeah. we had a couple of seven and eight. It kept going back and forth. It was frustrating to watch. And I said earlier, earlier in that season, I thought that there would be some – you know, a, a kerfuffle, some mm-hmm. some some things going on, a schism in in that uh-huh. locker room based on the the two guys that were looking for a contract and the two guys that had just gotten a new contract. That may's that that can fracture a locker room, and so uh, hopefully they don't have any of those issues going into this season. Everybody is on the same page, everybody is on the same board, and and they're all willing to work together to uh, to be the best team they can be. Just putting the pieces together. This is just an ins- assumption on my part, but I think when you're talking about the tensions. That was a big part of it. The locker room just being separated and divided because Mm -hmm. when you give those two contracts to the younger guys and then you had contracts coming up like a Vladimir Tarasenko, who has been a veteran for a while, Ryan O'Reilly. But imagine just the rift that that caused in the locker room where guys can do numbers. They say Mm -hmm. they don't pay attention to that stuff to the media, but you know that they're paying attention to that. Their agents are paying attention to that. And they say, wait a minute. So where does that leave me in yeah. this situation? You're going to give them a contract, but not me after all the stuff I did mm-hmm. to you? And, I think that had a lot to do with it for sure. And then it's a question of whose team is it? Yeah. Because you paid them. So you're basically telling the entire locker room that they're going to be here for the re, for the, for the the foreseeable future. And the two guys that have been here that are champions, that one is a captain, eh, probably not going to be here. Right. And you, you let that message be known early. And you hoped that it wouldn't send – uh, the signal that it sent through the locker room, but it did. Thursday night football, Justin Fields became elite last night. All he figured out was, hey, you got to throw the ball to uh, number two. So th- throw the ball to number two eight times for for 230 yards and three scores, uh, eight catches in 10 targets for DJ Moore, and uh, the Bears finally win a game, 40 to 20 over the Washington Commanders. Randy, I would uh, I would caution people to to not get too excited. I, I watched that game last night. DJ Moore. You were the one. I, I was the one, yeah. <laughs> me and me alone. Uh, DJ Moore caught, he, a couple of those big passes he caught were off of hitches, like mm-hmm. a five-yard yeah. hitch that turned into a 35-yard yeah. game, a 40-yard game, and a, a go route that turned into a touchdown. Those aren't routes that should be, you know, be looked at, as, <laughs> looked upon as 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 elite pass mm-hmm. throwing. That, that's okay. catch and throw. That's man-to-man coverage. My be- my receiver's beating your, rece- your DB. I wouldn't be too excited. Too, I wouldn't just. Get, I wouldn't get too far ahead of myself with uh, with Justin Fields being okay. elite just yet. He's good. Okay. Uh, elite. We get DJ it. Moore though. He looked. He did look fantastic. But that was my whole thought process coming out of this. Is do you think that it says more about the Bears and what the possibility is for them, or does it say more about the Commanders and their performance what defensively? That, what that said to me was, if I was a coach for the Commanders. Get the guy on the ground, man. What are we doing? How many times do you have to go for an interception and not get it? Mm-hmm. And DJ Moore catches a hitch, a, a literally five-yard hitch, mm-hmm. and turns it into 40 yards, turns it into 30 yards, turns it into a 50-yard. How many times do we have to see that? I would be – Randy, I, I would have lost it over there. Oh, well, bet. I <laughs> come, bet. Come, yeah. come talk to me for a second. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that no more. And one other note from yesterday. When I was a kid, the very first game I ever went to was a preseason game. The football Cardinals used to play the Bears every year in the preseason. And in 1971, the Bears were here. 
and out on the field is number 51. And my dad says, hey, just watch number 51 there for the Bears. Uh, and that was Dick Buckus. And Dick Buckus passed away at the age of 80 yesterday. And you can make a direct correlation between the popularity now of the National Football League and the violence that, that Dick Buckus brought to the National Football League. The, uh, the lust for blood in America was filled by people like Dick Buckus and T- Ray Nitschke and Tommy Nobis, and led by Dick Buckus, who, by the way, never went for the head, but man, could he hit. And one of the two or three best middle linebackers in the history of the game, all due respect to one of his successors, Brian Urlacher, two of his successors, Mike Singletary, Ray Lewis, all those guys, but still, Buckus, one of the two or three best. And it was interesting, even as a kid, a nine-year-old, to... Just sit there and have your dad say, focus on number uh, number 51 and watch the way he played. He was unbelievable. For me, it was a, a privilege. Obviously, he's a, a former Illini. Dick Buckus Award is named after him. We, we appreciate him. And I, I got the fortune to play with his nephew. And so I got to meet Dick Buckus a few times. And, and just him being there in the stadium, knowing that he was there, we understood that it was um, – I remember watching NFL films as a kid and watching him knock people out. And that's what led me. Like, I love this guy. Like, you get to hit people this hard and they pay you and they praise you for it. (laughs) Sign me up, please. So, you know, just understanding that that Dick Buckus was uh, a legend, relentless, fearless, violent football player, but one of the nicest men you could ever meet. I want to send my condolences to my friends, Luke, Zach, and and Josh, who are his nephews. Luke, who's my teammate, Josh, and Zach, his brother. So, you know, that was just, that was just a, uh, that's an Illini for me. I know he's a Chicago Bear, but he was an Illini first. We take pride in it. Him and Ray Nitschke, we give a lot of credit to those guys and how they played the game and and really, as you said, changed the game. Illinois through and through. I mean, just talk about, you you said meeting him. What was he like? I'm just always curious about what it's just, like. He was always complimentary of our team. Like we, it was a brief meeting, you know, after the game. Hey, how you doing? And and just man, you guys keep working hard, keep playing mm-hmm. hard, keep doing what you're doing. Just respectful, but you could feel the the aura of of his greatness when you were around him. It's just you know, and like I said, we knew when when Luke. We I don't know how we ended up knowing, but we would know when he was at a game, and it just kind of felt <laughs> like, hey, you knew <laughs> he, he was in hey, the building. Yeah, we gotta we gotta go. <laughs> And so it was, um, you know, just just knowing that the history of, of what he is seeing, his pictures throughout the facility, mm-hmm. you know, seeing the statues when you go into the stadium, that is is for me. I always looking at look at him as an Illini first, and the amount of pride that I have for him playing in that orange and blue, uh, and then going to the Bears, and as you said, Hall of Fame career, Hall of Fame throughout, yep. just just a great football player that that will go down in history as I think the standard for for middle linebacker in in, yes. in professional sports. Think about this from, from the perspective of today, okay, where we are with MVP votes. 1967, Dick Buckus was 5th in the MVP voting. 1968, he was 4th. 1969, he was 6th. 1970, he was 5th. He was for four consecutive years a defensive player was top 6 in the MVP voting. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I thought I heard that he won the Defensive Player of the Year in 69, and they won one game. Is that is that correct? Let me double-check that for you. Let's see. He was, um, yeah, he, he was 
uh, Pro Bowler, AP First Team All Pro, and the team went one and thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like what? What do we? Wow. I mean, you win one game and you're the Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, come on, That's man! Crazy. Like that, you would never. That mean you got to be playing out of your mind, mm-hmm. and everybody else knows it's not you that is the problem. Right, it's everybody around you. So, I just like I said, it's it's um. Dick Buckus was was a, a, a legend, a hero, an icon, and you know condolences to his family Absolutely. because he was a great man. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, the, the Lindenwood Lions back in action tomorrow. They take on Tennessee Tech. Got to get back on the winning track. Their coach Jed Stugard is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we move to the celebrity line now. And joining us is the head football coach at Lindenwood University, Jed Stugart. His team getting set to take on Tennessee Tech tomorrow at 1 o'clock over at Harlan C. Hunter Stadium on the campus of Lindenwood University. Coach, good to have you with us. Good morning. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. Good being on with you again, Randy. We always enjoy it, and we don't want to dwell on it too much. But what the heck happened last Saturday? Well, we had a bad first quarter is what happened. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of been our deal the last couple of weeks. You know, it was just, you know, as we've emphasized, trying to play four quarters of football and, and uh, you know, we came out and just about everything that could go wrong in the first quarter did. And uh, we just didn't respond well. And so, you know, I think this is a year that we, you know, we've talked about. I think we talked, you and I talked about that in a little interview at the start of the season. You know, we've. It's a it's a year that we have to coach in ways we've never had a coach before. You know, uh, very young team. We're, we've got some. We need to mature up in some areas, and uh, you know, and so every week's a new challenge. But you know, the the good news is, is I mean, and and the other thing too, Austin P to give them a lot of credit is a really good football team, and you can't you just can't make those type of mistakes. Um, you can't turn the ball over. You, you know, you can't uh, give up a big play in the, you know, on a pass play you know, early on after a turnover, you know, that, um, you know, these are things that, uh, you know, you just got to keep teaching and coaching. And we're trying to, every week we're trying to figure out new ways to, to get, you know, get those points across. And, uh, but the good news is, is the attitude, the resiliency. I mean, I, you know, we've had a great week of practice. You know, the guys are, not hanging their heads. You don't see a lot of dissension. You don't see any of those types of things. Uh, and we've had a good week, so we got to get back on the horse. Coach, when you are struggling in first quarters like you all have been, do you feel that sometimes maybe you need to shift things or change things? Maybe you, you change your pregame routine or or you get guys going a little bit or How do you get them motivated or, or just get the juice flowing a little bit earlier so that the first quarters aren't that bad? Yeah, I think that's what you have to do, Terry. We, you know, we talked a lot about that in our – staff meeting uh you know two weeks ago because we felt a little bit of the same thing you know we've we've tried to you know we've even kind of switched up our routine and practice a little bit sometimes you can kind of just get in a rut of the same routine and and uh you know we talked a lot about uh you know pregame and all that i I think you know uh to be honest with you i've kind of talked a little bit about uh you know i ran across an old uh uh you know that great video of, of uh uh, Ray Lewis and, and uh, about the definition of you know about uh, the definition of what why or why is the lion the king of the jungle you know and and uh, you know he talks about mentality and I think it's you know it's one of those kind of themes this week that we've talked about is you know really our mentality if you love to play football if you love to 
you know, you, you should be able to get your mind ready. You should be able to get your body physically ready to start a game. And so we've talked – you know, we've talked the mental aspect, but, you know, we've also talked about just, uh, you know, changing up a few things in, in our routine, and, and that's kind of what we've done. Coach, as Randy mentioned, you guys are playing Tennessee Tech this weekend. It's the second time that you guys have faced them in program history, and it seemed like last year was a very close one, 35-34 victory in Cookville. Uh, what are you expecting this weekend against them? Well, you know, every year, Rick, I think, you know, teams are different, um, you know, so we, you know, watching them, I don't know, I, I feel like this is could be one of those, you know, close games again. Um, you know, we're a different team. They're a different team um, than we had last year. Uh, you know, we made a choice to go for two to win it last year, and we didn't make that play, you know, so, I, you know, we've kind of reminded, uh, you know, we reminded our guys about that a little bit, too, to, you know, say, hey, you know, now they're on our turf, and, and uh, I know it was a kind of a seesaw a tennis match of a game last year uh, that made it pretty exciting. So, um, you know, I see, I think we match up well, you know, um, you know, we, we feel like there's some things we can do. Um, yeah. But I, I think their defense is better than they was last year. Um, but I think we're running the ball better than we did last year. So, you know, makes for a good uh, potential matchup that uh, I think will be an exciting game. Hey, Coach, did you know that uh, Kerry Davis has a singing background? <laughs> no, I'm glad I know that now. That <laughs> yeah, you, we need to get a duet going. Uh, you, I mean, people that might not be aware of this, Jed Stugart, uh, an accomplished musician, did a, a lot of great country work. So you and Kerry need to get together and do some music. Well, uh, you know, when the program's over, Coach, give me a call. Let's get uh, let's get a little, <laughs> let's let's get to get it. Together, yeah. <laughs> we'll debut something next Friday. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, but before we let you go, um, we were talking before you came out about Dick Buckus passing away, and uh, I oh. had the pleasure of being able to introduce you to Hall of Famer Jackie Smith last weekend. Are young football players interested in the history of the game these days? When when you talk to your players, are they interested in old Hall of Famers like a Buckus? like a Jackie Smith? I think the real famous ones, I guess, I think our guys would, would know that. Um, you know, I, I learned a few years ago, we were standing around talking about, you know, some of the greatest running backs. Um, and I, I said, I tell you what, guys, uh, Earl Campbell was one of the big, and, you know, about five of the kids standing around were staring at me like I had three heads. And I said, do you not know who Earl Campbell was? And they said, no, coach, we have no idea. So, you know, you have to remind them. But, you know, it's funny, uh, I, I would think, you know, that Dick Butkus is in my is in my Mount Rushmore of, of linebackers, and uh, I would think kids do in some cases. You, you know, the, the, the Hall of Famers, the Jerry Rices, the things, but, uh, um, yeah, it's amazing how quick time, you know, everything's on the immediate and we forget. But that what a great honor it was uh, last week, uh, and thank you for that opportunity to, uh, to introduce me to him, and, and uh, what a great honor that was as well. Yeah, we're lucky to have those guys still around with us. Coach, good luck tomorrow. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Okay, take care, y'all. Have a great weekend. See you later. Uh, that is Jed Stugart. By the way, Kerry and Brooke, so he was in Nashville, uh, Jed was. He performed, his name was Jed Lance. He opened for Lone Star. He opened for the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. He opened for Tim McGraw. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> wow, Tim McGraw is a is big a big time. one. Yeah. Okay, now I have to go and look this up. I was already on the Google machine over here when he was talking about it, looking it up, so I'll have to yeah. listen. <laughs> Jed Lance. Why, why Lance? I don't know, I guess, you know. 
People ask you to change your name. People ask me to change my name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in college, they did bring that up, possibly changing my last name. Yeah. And I know some people do for mm. private. Yeah, because I don't know. I, I guess like an easier for TV. You know, uh. you notice on TV, a lot of people have like very straightforward last names that are short. I guess that's what they were wanting. So You do? Uh, they asked me to change my name. They thought character would be too unwieldy for radio. <laughs> what did they ask it's you to change right. it to? Whatever. Whatever. Randy Blake. <laughs> Randy Blake. Blake. You messed up Blake. <laughs> Randy Blake. There you go. That's your new radio name. <laughs> there we go. That's my new pitching coach name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to talk a little golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. ESPN has announced that they are going to televise the new Tiger Woods Rory McIlroy Golf League presented by SoFi starting next year. That'll be interesting to watch. It's going to be a a virtual golf season and uh, it's going to be on ESPN. Joining us now to talk about that and more in golf is our friend Jay Delsing. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. I love the wet wiva rivalry uh, comment, and I'm ready to roll. That's about how I'm feeling this morning. Let's go. Jay, say it three times fast. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's tough. Okay, so uh, this new league is going to feature 18 PGA Tour players split into six teams, and they'll play two-hour head-to-head matches in a specially built arena in Palm Beach Gardens that'll incorporate live action in the latest in golf technology. What do you think? Well, and what, what I'm really interested in, so the simulators are great. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to do any sort of uh, play on the simulators, but everything is awesome on the simulators until you get to putting. And then putting just it, it leaves the room. I don't know the tech. I don't know if it's the tech or what, but, I mean, you could have a 30-foot putt and you hit it one inch. 
you know, and the ball seems to get there. So I don't know what they're going to do for the putting, but, you know, I'm a golf nerd and a geek, and I think more golf is great. And, and um, having Tiger involved in anything, um, like I'm still wondering why and where the hell he was for the Ryder Cup, but that's a whole other story. And um, I think it's great. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they, how they do it and, um, and, and get more people involved. Jay, what do, what do you think about this? Lexi Thompson, an 11-time winner on the LPGA Tour, will compete in the uh, the Shriners Children's Open next week in Las Vegas, and she'll be the seventh woman to play in a PGA Tour event. What do you think about that happening? You know, I'm a girl dad, and I'm all for the the girls doing in, in, in anything and everything. I, I'm not exactly sure what we're hoping to accomplish. I, I, I was playing at Colonial when the great Annika Sorenstrom played and it nearly made the cut, you know, she was just a couple off. I just, I'm not really sure what the goal is here. I love Lexi Thompson. I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, I, I just don't know, Brooke. I, I mean, um, it, it's the, 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 the physiological difference between men and women playing golf is off the charts because of the speed and the power and the way that the, the normal course that a, that a, you know, a male PGA tour guy plays compared to a female is it's, it, it's crazy different. And so it's going to be, it's just going to be really hard for her, you know? And, and, and if she plays really well, she might make the cut. And, and, and I just, I don't know what we're trying to accomplish. I, I, I mean, I'll watch, and I'll root for her, and I hope she does make the cut, but I'm not sure what the end game is here. Uh, Jay, I'm reading a story about Alan Shipnick uh, wrote a book called Live and Let Die, and it has ruffled some, uh, some players' feathers. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> I'm on it right now. Man, it is. You know, there's some bad words in that book, and I can't talk to too much about them on the radio, but there's some things I'd love to. There's some, there's some components on the back cover of that book that are amazing and i mean what he's trying to do is obviously stir the pot which he does extremely well alan has been on my show several times and he's always dropping some sort of bombs but if you look on the back cover of this book there are there there's just explosive comments from brandel chambly pat perez who's you know real easy when it comes to quote machines but guys like Paul Casey, where, I mean, basically, if you have the button on, you know, radio, every other word has got the button on. And, and <laughs> Alan has put this on the back cover. And I'm only through about a third of the book. I just got it yesterday. I'm only through about a third. I'm not an Evelyn Wood guy. I, I have to read these things so slow, man. But it's, it's really interesting. Basically, what he's, what he's doing is chronicling how um, Liv – and this this entire Greg Norman um, vengeance tour, for lack of a better word, has has come about. And I was actually playing for 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 some of that stuff when Greg wanted to do the world tour back in '93 and '94. And I'd also heard guys about this Premier Golf League, which a couple of um, European businessmen tried to start and tried to get underway. And I just finished the chapter on that. And but th- those were all the um, precursors to live and they, they basically um what live has done and greg norman has done was he what norman did was obviously found the unlimited resources that he needs because there's really no business plan set up for live right they're just kind of throwing money at stuff and seeing what happens 
and they don't have to make money because, because you know, the, the money keeps coming out of the ground and this, this uh, public fund has just got unlimited resources. So the, the, the book is, is going to tick off and has already ticked off a lot of players. I saw Justin Thomas's quote, and yeah, he did not like some of the things that I've already said about him in the book. And so I, I'm not finished with it all, but it's it's a good one. It is. Uh, I'm reading the back of the book now. And it, it, just reading the back <laughs> of it is uh, is good enough for me. I may have to go purchase this and read the entire thing because there are some interesting quotes <laughs> on the back Here's of this book carry. that you cannot carry. say on how radio. About, how about what he says, Paul Casey balking at an interview with Sky's Jamie yes. Weir. Now, guys, <laughs> Jamie Weir is the guy that released the, the false Patrick Cantlay hat gate story over here. I'm going to replace a word that we may or may not have used with something similar like fire truck. Okay? <laughs> and it says fire truck off. Go fire truck yourself. What a fire trucking bad question. Go fire truck yourself. That's the first three lines of that quote. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, Jim, yeah. before yeah. we find out about Sunday's show, uh, there's a company called Lawn Starter that does a lot of lists, and they put together a list of, of the best cities for golfers in America, and you've been around. St. Louis is listed number 11, which kind of surprised me, ahead, by the way, of Dallas, Houston, San Diego, behind cities like you'd expect, Scottsdale, Orlando, Vegas, uh, Tucson, L.A. Uh, number one, what do you think of that ranking? And what, in general, as you observe St. Louis against other golfing cities, how do you think we do? Well, Randy, when, we, when you and I were kids, we were awful. There were no public golf courses per se for us to play. There was Forest Park, and there were just a spattering, smattering of courses up in North County, South County, South City, wh- what have you. But we, we went through that massive golf course kind of boom and st louis really really caught up guys if you go try to play any sort of golf in southern cal it's a nightmare if you're not involved in a high-end public uh, high-end private country club you don't you, you don't have a place to play and and if you go to the public courses you're going to have to sit in your car at 4 30 in the morning and get in the lottery and it, it's it's just a nightmare so i i think Justifiably so, we are well ahead of the Southern Cal. Even courses, even though they have some such perfect weather, um, so I, I think we've done pretty well, Randy. When you start thinking of the public courses that we have, obviously Forest Park is is awesome, right in the middle of the city. But you have the Anbriars, the Aberdeens, the the Peavely Farms, all of these these, uh, and and then we've got. So, so many multiple of courses on the east side, like Gateway National, and, and I, I feel like we've we've really done well. And um, yeah, I, 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 I think um, I did not see that report. I uh, I don't know how I missed it, but I, I would say that's a, a pretty fair ranking. I mean, we're still the twenty fourth size market. I mean, we're we're small compared to some of those others, but I think the golf opportunities are pretty damn good. And a couple of the metrics, public courses per 100,000 residents were 12th. Uh, PGA golf coaches per 100,000 residents were 6th. Uh, number of amateur golf competitions and tournaments, ninth. Historical average number, this is not a good one, historical average number of extremely hot days were 116th, but uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. I like being uh, in the top 15 there. All right, what do you got coming up on Sunday morning from 8 to 10 here on 101 ESPN? I've got a good buddy of mine, Vance Crow, who does these legacy interviews. And I know, Randy, you're involved in those. I did one of those myself for the girls. 
And, uh, man, I was blown away at how emotional it was. So he's, he's on the show as well as Chris Nagel, who is in the process of trying to fight for his a full-time status on the Corn Ferry and, and possibly a PGA Tour card. And Nags is a great guy, and he plays out of Meadowbrook. And uh, so he's on the show with Danny Mac and I. And so we talked mostly the, the, the bad movie that we watched again at the Ryder Cup and how we've seen the end of this. And I just don't understand how our Ryder Cup can come out flat. I could see us come out in a lot of different ways, but coming out for such a huge thing and coming out flat just, it just, I, I just can't figure that out. We're looking forward to listening on Sunday morning. Thanks, Jay. Have a great weekend. You too, guys. Have a great show. See you. That's our buddy Jay Delsing. You can hear Golf with Jay Delsing Sunday morning, 8 to 10, here on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli on this Friday on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, Matthew, and Randy and kids. Tell me if it's all starting to make sense now. The National Football League went to its broadcast partners and asked for free airtime, commercial airtime, to air Taylor Swift era's tour movie ads. ESPN said yes. NBC said yes. They said NBC gave them them a million dollar availability for uh, the free ad. Both Fox, by the way, and CBS said, nah, well, we're, we're going to sell our advertising. We aren't going to give it to you. Take it or leave it. It all makes sense. Take it. <laughs> I'm going to take, take it. Take it that it's all been a publicity stunt. All been oh. a publicity stunt. They ain't dating, man. But she's already making a lot of money. I don't see the benefit of you know, this, I guess. Make, but getting her to your games and introducing, cultivating a new fan base. Yeah. There's a lot of 12. Last weekend, Sunday Night Football was the most watched game by 12 to 17-year-old females in the history of the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And now those kids, all it takes is 1% of them to become fans of the game, and the NFL is a winner. Yeah. I... I, you know, I I do buy into some conspiracy theories, and I do see that. And the Kelsey Brothers podcast has apparently just skyrocketed yep. too. Mm. Kelsey's jersey sales have gone mm. up. Um, I was. It's interesting because I like the Aaron Andrews and Carissa Thompson podcast that yeah. they have together. Uh, you need to calm down or something like mm. that. It's calm down. Yeah, I calm think. down. And they were talking about how they were actually pushing Kelsey for a while to start dating Taylor Swift, and so it's. That's the part that's kind of weird to me is it seems like a lot of people have been trying to get this going or something. And maybe they're just really good friends. And that's what's happening here. Or maybe they're business partners. Business partners. And everyone else is foolish. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. A big conspiracy theory. Those two are, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I never thought that they were dating. When they walked out of that first game, I, again, it looked like two people. That were just friends. Yeah. 
Just walking BFFs. out. BFFs. And then getting they, in the car, going somewhere. Oh, they're driving together. That's kind of what you got to do. CD, if, but it was romantic. It was like the ending of Grease, you know, where they fly away in that car. It looked like the exact same car. It was romantic. Yeah, it was. I mean, they didn't fly away, but still, yeah. the romance was been. Yeah. there. I, I mean, it. somebody had to drive and somebody had to sit in the passenger seat. <laughs> if, you, if you call that romantic. <laughs> Are you saying it was basically like an Uber service <laughs> at that point? Pretty much. Yeah, there's no difference. Um, so we, we talked about Dame Lillard and the huge trade to the Milwaukee Bucks. Take it or leave it. Dame gets his first championship this season. Ooh. I'm going to leave that. Ooh. I think there are just too many obstacles in the way Boston being one of them because of the guy that the Bucks <laughs> traded. And, and uh, you put Holiday, they finally get some defense on, in the backcourt. They back had court. defense. They let and Marcus b- b- Smart go. Yeah. But um, they, and they, they brought him back. But I, I and think... Getting, getting rid of Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, that's a pretty good move. They got uh, so, the, the unicorn as well over there. Yeah. Chris Stapps Porzingis. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that stand in their way. And then getting to the West, I, I think that Golden State's going to be really good. It's going to be loaded. No. Mm. I, I think that Phoenix has a chance. I, I really like that trade for Phoenix, adding depth and giving up Aiton. I think that the, the West, and obviously you've got the defending champs as well, the West is going to be really difficult to mm. navigate. Brock, I was going to say, what do you feel about Denver? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would just completely discount the defending he champions. He said the defending champs. I mean, I think they're going to be pretty good. But I, I think, you know, I think here's the thing. Pride. It's going to be a different game with what the Bucks are going to be able to bring. Well, here's if a, there's here's a healthy Chris Middleton, they're number one in the East, and they're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals at worst. Don't get used to consistent greatness from your squad. That's all I have to say. Ah, damn. <laughs> like that. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Damn. So, I have an interesting story for you guys. I know how much Mizzou fans, too, like to find a way to dunk on Arkansas fans. So, this is a pretty easy one because we know that eventually the ball is dunking have on their... Arkansas fans. Yes. Uh, oh, I see what you did there. So, an interesting story has emerged out of Arkansas with their offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. Have you guys heard about what's going no. on with him? So, Arkansas, as you know, played t- Texas A&M this past weekend and uh, it didn't go well. So not only did Arkansas's offensive coordinator have, you know, more than one opponent this past weekend and lost to Texas A&M, he also had another opponent or several other opponents, that being students. So apparently it has been revealed that Dan Enos, about an hour after the loss this past weekend to Texas A&M, actually replied to some emails that fans sent him. And saying things like he even used emojis, like laughing emojis at some of the things, because, you know, it was people emailing him uh, saying things like, why would you do that? Why would you call this play? Somebody even emailed him, say, just try a quarterback sneak. It's not that hard. At least try once. And Dan Enos replied, OK, will do. Thanks. Take it or leave it. It's not professional, but it's a little funny. I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. I, I can do that. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you, 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 I, I, I even on that level, I'm sure I know it's way more. But the amount of coaches that are in the stands is, is amazing. I know when we talked about it during COVID, how would we as coaches be able to, you know, get our job done without all of the people telling us exactly what we needed to do? It was going to be the hardest time of our lives with all, all those people in the stands telling yeah. us how to manage ours. It was one of the toughest times of my life just because I didn't have all that, that, that mm. extra noise in the background telling me when to go for it and when to do this and when to run and pass. It just it was unbearable. 
terrible. So I, I'm glad we have fans back because they get to tell us yeah. exactly when and where we should play, how we should play, what passes, what plays should be called. It, it, it's one of the best things about sports. It really is. Fan interaction. And just their knowledge of play. Yeah, calling. they know so That's much. A, how did yeah. a puck ever get shot during 2020? I, I don't know because nobody yelled shoot the puck. There was nobody <laughs> there to yell shoot the puck. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 as players, how they managed to make it through, whew, it's amazing. Maybe we should ask Robert Thomas about that later. Like, does he hear when a fan says, shoot the puck? And what does he just giggle to himself? I just thought that the the Danny Noe story is interesting because I guess the other side of it is people have an issue with that it was just so quick after the game and maybe you cool off a little bit. And then it was his company or work email, essentially. I don't don't have a problem with it. But then it was funny, too. So I enjoyed that. All right. What do we got on the text line, Matthew? Take it or leave it. Taylor Swift went to the Jets game to bury her private jet stories when you Google Taylor Swift jets, that's conspiracy that. theory. Oh, that is. I like that. You're thinking. You're thinking here, and I like I get, this. There's always a lot to do about celebrities saying that you know they're helping the environment, but then they take a lot of private jets, and they're always jet setting and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. So She's, I think that that's that was the like issue. way back in the summer, though. That's uh, that story was dead. If she was going to go to games, I would think that that would resurrect those stories rather than bury them. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. There's the other side of that. Yeah. yeah. Take it or leave. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals non-tender or trade bro Neil. The weak back joke should remain. Take it. Totally uh, yeah. take it. Yeah. I don't That's, think the back jokes are. They're not going, going anywhere away because they the back not. issues are Nolan going Gorman. to be there. He'll yeah. be in Major League Baseball next year, and Nolan Gorman will be here. Yeah. So Nolan Arenado with his back issues. He'll, uh, whether how, how long has he had that? About a week back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, those aren't going away. <laughs> yeah, whether he has the injury or not, we'll, we'll talk about it. Take it or leave it. Tomorrow is the most important game of the drink era so far. Take it. I, I asked. Um, we asked. Was it who was it? Mike. Mike yesterday, yeah. and, and he kind of said no, but. You're looking at a coach that has gone, has been around 500, six and seven, six and seven. I think it was five and five. What was his first record? Uh, he's Eight basically five? been 500. Yeah. yeah. So this, yes. to me, five and zero, oh, uh, an SEC opponent that is known to be particularly mm-hmm. pretty good year after year, coming into your t- into your stadium this weekend. I think this is the biggest game of his Mizzou tenure thus far. I would say that it will be tomorrow, but. Is that game anything if they lose to Middle Tennessee State, which they almost did? Mm. Wasn't the Middle Tennessee State game bigger? That was very, I think that, that you could almost say it was early on. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little bit concerning and maybe that they were hiding some yep. things. Here's the thing about tomorrow that I think. I think if they win it, it'll be the biggest game of his era. Yes, I agree. Well, and but also when you... Everybody expects him to. Uh, I think either way it is. Because... If you, Randy, I told you, I went to uh, an Illinois game. We were 6-0, and and my friend, my buddy, yeah. forced me. He's like, man, you got to go. You got to go. We play in Ohio State at home. You got to go see our Illini. We're 6-0. and and, and, <laughs> and we lost every game after that, Randy. It was it was not great. Yeah. I The, the thing is, is that I think that it, it will be more interesting at the end of the season because if they lose this, then you can look back and say, okay, that's something they probably should have won, and that's when the SEC stuff started to kind of go downhill in the season. But if they win it, this could really kind of catapult them through the rest of the SEC schedule. I'm going to leave that. I'm just getting a vibe from the program that it's not a big game. I don't know if they're really treating it like it's the biggest game of his career. I don't know. Just I'm getting a vibe from the program. What's the vibe? I don't know. I'm just not feeling. I'm not feeling 
Not enough. Like, this is the biggest game of his career so far in Mizzou. I I see what you're picking. I pick up what you're putting down. No, I'm saying like the the the, it's just not there. It's just not there. The the city is not as as much as it should be. And you know who I blame? Who? LSU for losing last weekend. Okay. Uh, Take it or leave it. Jordan Montgomery would be a better free agent signing than Aaron Nola. Oh. Leave that. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that too. We got to think about the money difference. No, you don't. How much do you think it'll be? Um. I mean, a, a year and a, a year less, and probably sixty million less. About that, like, f- what six and six for almost two hundred for Aranola, five for one forty, one fifty. They're for... both the same age. Yeah, let's see how yeah, much that's... magic there is left in that uh, that Scott Boris bottle, that, <laughs> that, that the, the genie that just keeps pouring cash out to Scott Boris clients. All right. I just think it's going to be a little bit more economical of a contract than Noel's, don't you A think? little bit, but in terms of basic overall production for the two. Now, the Cardinals are not a team that historically recently has allowed their pitchers to go seven innings, but we know what they do with Jordan Montgomery. Hopefully, they would if they would get a guy like Aaron Nola, they'd actually want to utilize him the way he wants to be utilized, and that is by being a horse. They do. Sounds like Blake Snell's perfect. Yeah, Blake Snell kind of fits their mold. And here's the thing. Don't blame them either, because historically they've been able to put together bullpens that can get you 12 outs, 13, 14 outs. Nobody is better at putting together a good, solid, deep bullpen where if you have a lead after five, you're going to win the game than the Cardinals, right? No, 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 not this season. No, Randy. Sorry. Uh, nah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The one guy the Cardinals need to make part of the organization is Lance Berkman. That dude just knows hitting. Um, I don't know if that's the one guy that they absolutely need. Who is the one yeah. guy they need? If you could pick one player or one person, mm, mm. I already know your answer. Ooh, I know what the answer is. I know what the answer is. I, I know, yes. answer. I know yeah, the answer know, is. You know. I know right. the answer huh? is. You know. I, I do. I know you yeah, know. I know. Yeah. yeah, you know, right? Yeah. One, pl- one player or one person. Yes. Somebody go grab a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> let's have some... Let's let's have some... Um, some circus acts out in the outfield. Let's have a petting zoo. Have, have we had any of that? Like, have we had yeah, circus let's have, acts? Let's have fun. In the outfield? Have we had... A little bit? No. We're clowning around? Uh, well, yeah, but during games. <laughs> I'm talking about oh, pregame. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. Thank you. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up here on 101 ESPN. Oh, man. Yeah. Are the way the Phillies and Braves manage the way postseason teams should be managed? That's next on 101 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Well, you know what? I said, when he came out of the sixth, going back out to the seventh, you know, I talked to Spence, and, and he's like, I'm good. So, um, you know what? We, we don't push these guys a lot, I think, because it is a long season, and there are times in, over the course of, of the season and certain games where I think you do need to give them some rope, and you need to let them go back out there and in anywhere um, where they can. And if they can get through it, great. But it's like I tell them a lot of times, it's like, well, I'm going to have somebody, you know, ready just in case. But I, I think you have to pick your spots with how they get to where they're going in a game. And then sometimes you got to turn them loose and let them go. That's the manager of the Atlanta Braves, Brian Snitker on MLB Network, talking about handling a young pitcher like Spencer Strider and talking about handling his pitching staff in general. Of course, the Braves did win the World Series two years ago and then last year lost to the Philadelphia Phillies and the Phillies wound up in the World Series. And one of the similarities between these two franchises is that they do have an interesting approach to managing baseball games. And we talk about Spencer Strider and leaving him in a game down the stretch where there are a lot of franchises, one local, that probably would have taken him out of the game. It was one year ago tomorrow that Jose Quintana went five and a third for the Cardinals. He allowed two hits. He struck out three, walked one. He had not allowed a run and was taken out of the game by the Cardinals. And I'm not going to put this on the manager. He was taken out of the game by the Cardinals because there is an organizational philosophy to limit the amount of pitches and innings and outs a pitcher can give the team, regardless of how well said pitcher is performing. I am one who kind of falls on the side of Brian Snitker, where I would prefer to give a pitcher who's pitching well a little bit of rope. And and even like with Sonny Gray, giving the Twins five innings a couple of days ago, the fewer outs I have to give my bullpen, the better is the way I look at it. Yeah, and that's something that I felt like you saw with the Cardinals this season, right? And we were worried about early on is how taxing that that was going to be on the bullpen. And you just see with the Phillies and the Braves something I think is just really interesting and a commonality between the two. And it sounds really simple, but the way that they have built things properly and also the way they have committed to clubhouse culture and chemistry and the managers and the coaching staff having a lot to do with that. And I know not everything, of course, is on the managers and the players have to go out and execute. It's on them, their own performance. But I think there's a lot to be said about the chemistry behind the scenes and making sure that the clubhouse culture is good. And that's something that I found between Brian Snicker and Rob Thompson is that they are able to kind of be the filter, essentially from the front office and analytics and what gets to their club. There's a lot that they give credit to to their analytics team for helping with game prep and then they go into the games though and trust their gut. They they both have talked about that. They let their guys be their guys. Apparently Aaron Nola has this scotch circle. There's like some reports about that that he has with his pitching staff. Thompson just wants his guys to have fun, be relaxed, be who they are and that seems to be the same case with Snicker and when you start to build that trust rust then that just leads to a good clubhouse culture where the manager knows what that guy needs in that certain moment when to pull him when not to pull him and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it's also not going to act exactly crash and burn the relationship that trust is built and greg talked about that last week giving those guys those contracts building that trust where those guys feel comfortable that they have that role and that they can have time to succeed in it 
uh, for me, it, it's you hit the nail on the head. It's building up the trust, the credibility you have. All of that is is earned throughout the entire season. You put your players in positions to show you that they earn the right to stay in the game, that they can, you know, come through in those situations. And you you learn about each other. You learn about your coaches. You learn about your managers. You learn about your players when you're going through it throughout the entire season. I talked about it a couple of days ago when Bryce Harper runs through the stop sign and goes and scores. Maybe not what we want him to do, right? But <laughs> I trust that young man. I trust that not a young man. I trust that man to make that decision and score and not get thrown out. Craig Kimbrell on on the mound in the ninth inning, box intentionally. I I've never seen it. I don't like the guy on second base looking in, peering in, possibly giving the hitter the location or maybe the pitch that's coming to him. So let's put him on third so he's not behind me and I can just get this batter out. You don't do that as a pitcher if your manager doesn't trust you. And as a manager, you don't allow that to happen if you don't trust your pitcher. So it's about the trust. It's about the belief in one another. And all of those things are earned throughout the entire season. But if you never give guys the opportunity to fail or the opportunity to succeed, they never will be in that position later on in the season. And you'll have a moment where fifth uh, fifth inning, we got to take him out. He's not... You had plenty of opportunities. Yeah, he got traded here late, but you had opportunities throughout that season to say, Jose Quintana, finish this. Let's see how you perform in this moment. No, it's not the playoffs. No, it's not October. It's it's August. But let me see how you perform now to see how you potentially will perform in October. And those moments weren't allowed or aren't allowed in this team, the Cardinals, had had issues because of it. Here's another thing about managing, whether it's 1960 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 2000 or 2010 or 2020 or 2023. In 1975, you could have asked me as a kid, who are the best baseball players of all time? And I could have said Babe Ruth and Willie Mays and Ty Cobb and Henry Aaron, and I would have been right on. And who historically are the, the top guys in war? Babe Ruth and Willie Mays and Ty Cobb and Henry. It, you didn't need a statistic to get me to know that certain players were the best ever. And the Braves right now, they've signed Ronald Acuna to a long-term contract, Austin mm-hmm. Riley to a long-term contract, uh, Ozzy Albies to a long-term contract, Michael Harris II to a long-term. They signed all these guys to long-term contracts. Well, how did uh, how did they decide? Like, when Brian Snitker is managing a game, how does he use these statistics? Like Ex-Woba. How much do you or your people look at that or any like hard hit stat? I didn't even know what the hell it was. So you just pulled it up there. Um, honestly, first time I think I've ever seen it. What is that? Ex-Woba. You know what? You know, if you if you watch games, you don't need math. If you watch games, you can know who hits the ball hard. It's not yeah. that difficult. It's called the eye test. It's called, like you said, and tr- you can trusting hear it. When yeah. it's hit hard, yeah. it sounds different no, than I, when, it, I, when it's I guarantee not. you the Jack. You don't even have yep. to look at the game. Oh, he hit that one hard. Where'd it go? Right. You can hear right. it. Yeah. yeah. If you if you listened to Mark McGuire hit the ball, you know his ex-Woba was good. If you yeah. heard Jack Clark hit the ball, you knew his ex Woba was good. You don't need a number for that. And I'm glad that Brian Snicker says, yeah, he, he, not only does he not use it, he's never even heard of it. Yeah. yeah I, no and that's what I'm saying is that something that stood out to me in that interview that he did with MLB Network is that he acts as kind of the filtration system of what gets to his players. He acknowledges that analytics do have a role and math will always have a role essentially in baseball, right? The numbers will always have a role in baseball, but 
there is times it gets a little bit too in the weeds. And then when you start overthinking things, you start overanalyzing things, you might do something like, I don't know, pulling a guy who's dealing after 47 <laughs> pitches that you saw the other night. <laughs> I mean, you might make a mistake like that, a pretty big one. And having the feel for the game, and it also goes to the organization. The organization having trust in the manager, in the coaching staff, mm-hmm. and allowing them to have that gut instinct, have that feel in the moment, instead of, well, well, well hey, wait, 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 wait. You got to follow these numbers. I know that you might want to do this, but hey, you got to do this. You got to got to follow this stat right here. I just thought it was interesting to just another piece from the Snicker interview. He talked about that balancing the analytics and feel and how he applies it. You're right. Our guys do a really good job. Our game planning and all that is really, really good. Our pitch identification, the pitch mix, I think a lot of guys, when we get them, they, our analytics department is really good about doing their work. And and before we get them, I know Alex and, and his team, they look at if we can change certain things and maybe change a pitch mix because we do like the characteristics of some of their pitches that we can help these guys maybe take another step forward. And, and then, you know, but once the game starts, um, you know, I, I I use my eyes and my gut, and I got a great uh, you know guy right there beside me, a Rick Cranich, who's been doing this a long, long time, and I value and trust his eyes and his gut because this guy has seen everything in the game. He's got a great feel, and he gets all that pitching. It must be cool to be a Braves fan. I, I, I hope I'm sure. <laughs> one of the things, I, I, one of the best coaches I ever played for as a running back coach was Kirby Wilson. And Kirby would tell us, hey, when you're on the field, man, you make the decision. I'm not out there. I can't tell you what's happening in a split second. I don't know why the hell you did that now. Here's the thing. Whatever you do, it better be right. And when you come tell me what happened, you better not be exactly like you can't say, well, the linebacker blitzed or or he didn't blitz. That's why I ran around. No, he did. So you have to be correct in what you're doing. But that coach allowed us to play freely and not have – any issues of looking over our shoulder, but that's mm-hmm. earned. I also had a coach in college that I remember we were playing Purdue, and I said, Coach, we had a specific play. Call the timeout. I said, Coach, what happens if this guy blitz? He's not going to blitz. Go there. I said, Coach, what happens if he blitz? He's not going to blitz. Go there. The guy blitzed. I went and picked him up and because I knew I had to, and I just stared at him from the sideline, and he <laughs> walked away. Yeah, and, but that trust now is built up. I understand what I'm doing as well, so – you have to be able to make the right decisions as a player. You have to be correct. And when you are correct, your coaches generally allow you to have more freedom and do what you need to do to be successful. Yeah, I agree. And that also goes to the clubhouse culture. When you allow those players to play freely, be confident in themselves, build that confidence, then that also carries in the clubhouse where the guys are feeding off each other. And look, some people might say, well, the Braves are talented. Of course they're going to be good. Clubhouse culture, does that really matter? Mm -hmm. What happened to the Padres this season? Yeah, right. Exactly. What, those are that yeah. is a very talented lineup. Yeah. And then what did we hear reports wise coming out of the clubhouse there? Yeah, fractured clubhouse and dis- yeah. dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there, there obviously was a lot that went into that. But uh, more times than not, when when Whitey came here, he had been with the Royals and he'd won three division titles. When Tony came here, he had been in three World Series with the uh, with the A's. When Joe Torre came here, he had been to the playoffs multiple times with Atlanta. Snicker, 40 years, 41 years now, managing in the Braves organization. Rob Thompson had all that time uh, traversing the minor leagues with the Phillies. And I think there's just something to be said for in that sport, in a leadership role, having experience. Yes. I or agree. any sport, actually, having experience. One of the reasons Craig Berube is really good is because 
he's got experience and he'd been through it before with Philadelphia and in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And he learned from people. I, I just think it's such a valuable commodity that is so underutilized by baseball, not just in the dugout, but scouts, uh, the people that are making decisions on bringing people in, your, your former players that have seen what it takes and know what it takes to win. Think of all the, the brain power the Cardinals had in town last weekend when you have Jason Isringhausen and Chris Carpenter and Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Think of all of that brain power. Oh my Jim gosh. Edmonds, a baseball yeah. savant uh, that... that you have at or have had at your disposal. It's pretty incredible. And I just wish and hope that the Cardinals will utilize that experience. It's You have to, yeah, right? It's, it's there. It's available. Why not use it? Exactly. Totally agree. And by let's not dismiss Ozzy, uh, yes. who is, when you have a young shortstop, maybe the most valuable commodity you have in trying to get Mason Wynn to advance is Ozzy Smith. Yes. Right? That's Brooke, that's Carrie, I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some hockey with, and some other stuff, I'm sure, with Joe Vitale here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. By Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Talk to you, uh, CBC Hall of Famer Joe Vitale. Brooke is here, Carrie is here. I'm Randy, and it's great to have you with us. And we had a—I had a chance to sit at a table with Joe Vitale during lunch yesterday. And I don't know if Joe got a chance to see the the ice's fancy Ices. nitro ice yeah. cream, but it was delicious, and the way it was made was incredible. They make it at 321 degrees below zero. Ooh. That's how they they churn it, and it was phenomenal. Joey, good morning. How you doing? Hey, hey, fellas, how we doing, Randy? I, I spend some time talking. You know, whenever I see a girl making ice cream, I, I can't help myself. Uh, that's just that's one of my weaknesses is, is, a, is a girl behind the counter making ice cream. So, um, I started talking. I started talking to her, and we learned a lot about it. And apparently, I would have thought that is it nit- is it nitrogen? Is it nitrogen? Yes. I think? yes. So the nitrogen, I would have thought it give it like a, a weird flavor, but she says it's actually the opposite. It's actually the purest form of ice cream because there's no freezer burn and there's no like delayed burning when it comes to the freezing process. It's just immediate. So the ingredients you have, they're obviously liquid or or solid with like the cookies and cream crumbs, and then when the nitrogen hits it, it goes immediately into ice cream formation. So it's like the purest form of ice cream. Which I had, I had a scoop, Randy. I don't know if you did, Brooke, uh, Randy, but that was maybe the best ice cream I've ever had. It was awesome. That's what we were talking about. It was so good. But I just want to circle back to something you said. You <laughs> said your weakness is a girl behind the counter making ice cream. Is that what you said? That's your biggest weakness? <laughs> and well, all your weaknesses. The curiosity. Oh, the curiosity. Yeah. It's my second biggest weakness. The, the first is an old lady in Italy making pasta on, on the alley. Like that. <laughs> so, I, 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 listen, a lot of women worry about their man going to Vegas or Nashville on a bachelor trip. Like, my wife knows to worry if I ever decide to take a one-week trip by myself to, like, Sardinia, Italy, and I'm just walking the streets around the grandma's um you know, making that, making the the orecchetti, orecchetti pasta. Orecchetti is the number one. It's what they make. It's the, you, you break off a little, a little pasta dough, and they use like a kitchen like butter knife, and they kind of roll this up on YouTube. It's it's fascinating. It actually became 
it's became one of the one of the staples there in that area is in is it's grown and the it's been passed on to now the next generation and, and it's just these old women in these these gowns and the you know the slide slippers and they're like 100 pounds overweight but you know what they're out there living their best life and making the best pasta in the world and and again, that's uh, that. That's my weak spot. So I know I know not to even put myself in that bad situation. I love the fact, by the way, that the Blues have empowered and have imported so many local restaurants. And I know CDSC has done the same thing, but so many restaurants are represented at Enterprise Center for Blues games, and it's just awesome to see our friends from Chicken Out and our, our friends from uh, Sugar Fire and uh, all of the people, uh, Steve's Hot Dogs yesterday. It was great to have those. The St. Louis restaurant is really represented when you go to a Blues game. You know, Randy, it, I, I know you travel a lot and you see sports. You know, Carrie, obviously you, you've been to a lot of different venues, and Brooke, you, you as well. And, you know, I don't know for the fans listening how many of them, you know, go to a lot of different venues, different sporting events around the country. You know, I would imagine there's there's some Chicago appearances and some Nashvilles and, and some of the local ones. And, and, you know, it's kind of more popular to go out to Las Vegas with, with groups of people. It's a, it's a great place to watch a hockey game. And, and I can't speak on behalf of the baseball and football. I can only speak on behalf of hockey venues because, you know, we see everyone at least once for the most part twice in the Western Conference. And, and I say this, and I say this, just so people can understand and, and grow a, a deeper appreciation for what we have here. There is no venue that does this the way St. Louis does this. It, it, it truly is remarkable. I mean, I'm walking around the Dallas American Airlines Center last night. Huge, beautiful building, brand new seats, brand new scoreboard. Uh, it's, it's one of the coolest, largest, I would say, hockey venues out there. And you walk around the concourse, and it's just your, it's just your typical pretzels and hot dogs and pizzas. And, and there's really nothing different. Uh, and, and that goes for everyone. I think the one the one venue that probably would compete with St. Louis is actually the new Little Features Arena in Detroit. They do a terrific job as well. Uh, but you walk around this this arena, and as you attend Blues games this year, or you attend the concerts, and you're seeing all these local venues, just just take a deep breath and just just be grateful. I think because it is so great to go to a sporting event and have that personal touch, and just by the way, excellent food compared to just that frozen chicken fingers they, they throw in a fryer, which you see throughout the country. So it really is really a special. Joey, I think I know your third weakness, and that's bees. Uh, that was an interesting story to hear between you and Curbs last night. You guys were in mid-season form. Are you okay from your bee stink? Well, here's the thing, Brooke. I thought we were just on the radio last night. I couldn't find out after that we were the only seed doing the game. So I, I got more ticks last night in the preseason <laughs> game than I ever have. I'm like, why is everyone listening tonight? Uh, but apparently Dallas didn't do anything. And, of course, Valley Sports wasn't, wasn't airing. So they used our seed for basically everything, even the Dallas highlights. So, yeah, we, we, we kind of went off the rails. And, and listen, this is the preseason. We we are feeling the uh, the longevity of preseason just like these players. So, uh, we got a little bit bored at times, and yeah, apparently my my beasting conversation definitely got out there more than I would, would have hoped for. But yeah, I was walking down walking down Kirkwood, got snapped by a bee. Have no idea why. I was minding my own business. I didn't shake any leaves or, or mess with any bushes or obviously you know do anything with his nest. It just popped me right in the ankle. I have like a golf ball sized bump on my ankle. I don't know what that's bad or good. Uh, maybe if any of the listeners out there are educated in in this, uh, I'm hoping I'm not allergic to it. But I'm feeling pretty good today. You you might need to get that checked out. I don't I don't know that that's a normal thing, Joey. 
I, I'll be all right. Like I said last night, on, on you know, like my nanu always told me, it's just it's just olive oil. You put olive oil on everything, and uh, well, it's got to be and it's got to be Sicilian olive oil. That, that's something I couldn't get out last night. We got to make sure it's Sicilian, which is the best in the uh, best in the world. Well, Joey, do you have some Sicilian olive oil for this Blues team for this season? Are they going to be better than they were last year? Heck yeah, heck yeah, they're going to be better. Uh, this is a, a revamped team. Uh, they've, they've added some really good pieces. I like the transition that they're heading into. Last night was the the probably closest thing we've seen to what the opening night roster is going to look like. And, and it's still preseason, so you can't look too into it. But th- there were things that I was I was watching last night. You know, I was telling Kirk on on the air and and for the fans. You know, preseason to me, it it definitely just it just pivoted. We just went from the first week and a half of. Everyone individually getting up to speed, you know, shaking out the cobwebs, you know, finding their feet, finding their hands. You know, that that's what the first three to four to five games are all about. You know, around that mark last night before the game in Dallas, you know, that that's where the switch happens. Everyone is up to, up to speed individually. Now it's just about structure. What is our identity? What is our structure? What does it look like coming out of D zone? What do we want the neutral zone four check to look like? Uh, power play. Are we starting to kind of find that chemistry? And I think that, I really do believe that they, they checked pretty much every box last night. You know, those coaches I talked to on the plane, you know, Steve Ott and Mike Weber especially, you know, they're, they're perfectionists. I, I said, hey, what a game. We were talking about the good things. And they were saying, you know, there's a couple things we still got to clean up. But I think they were satisfied with that. So I bring all that up because th- this team with the new defensive um, system in place, you see the way it shut down a lot of plays. They're not running around crazy in the D zone anymore. It's more compacted. It's more in the middle. Uh, Tory Krug and I had a great conversation about the D zone specifically. It's the same D zone he ran in Boston. He loved it in Boston. And he did say, he said, when you are playing this type of system, the one thing you have to have is you got to have good centermen. You got to have defensively responsible centermen. And the Blues truly feel from one to four with Robert Thomas, Shen, Hayes, and of course now Oscar Sundquist. They have the players in place who can be very responsible down the middle. So with all that being said, I think that defensively, this is the issue heading into the season from last season. It seems already very clear that it has improved. And I think with the veteran defensemen they have, with all those games, all that experience, they're going to pick up on the system very quickly. I think it's going to be easier on them at times. Um, And then for for the most part, when you have a, a defensive structure like that, you're going to be tough to play against, and you're going to win these games like we saw last night. You know where you're getting, you know, you're shutting out the other team, or it's going to be a two-one, three-two-two game at the end of the day, which I think is is, is a positive thing. Joey V was inducted into the CBC Hall of Fame last night. Interestingly, though, he was doing the Blues game from Dallas on 101 ESPN. So, how did you go into the Hall of Fame last night, Joey? My dad, my dad rolled out the red carpet for me uh, and, and, and did it for me. So he was there. So I, I had my dad just do it. And what you know what? I, I kind of, I don't know about you, Randy. I know you go to a lot of these things too and, uh, and Carrie and Brooke, but if I'm going to a Hall of Fame event, I kind of thought about it. My mom sent me the speech he made. It was very, I was very touched by it. My dad did a great job. I almost would like to hear from a parent of the person who goes in more because I've always found it a little uncomfortable that someone goes up there and, and talks about themselves, about you know their accolades and their accomplishments, about and why they're there. Uh, but certainly, I mean, it's good to hear from those people too. But I always kind of found it kind of cool to always hear the parents' perspective. The Blues always have these parent trips to do another dad's trip this year, and I learn more about the players from their dad's eyes, uh, and it's just so cool to hear the stories of, of how they became the men they are. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, my mom and dad were in attendance last night, and 
and they, they, they carried the they carried the baton just fine. And my dad did a great job and obviously uh, super proud. And there's a football game tonight. They're playing the Vianney Griffins, and I'm going to try to see if I can get out there for the halftime. They're having all the inductees walk out at halftime, so it would be good to go back to the old stomping ground. Good for you. Congratulations Congrats. and well-deserved. Thank you, guys. Hey, I re- really appreciate that much. Yeah. And, yeah. Joey V, one more thing. I mentioned to you yesterday that we had a, a mini discussion here about St. Louis Mafia here on the show a couple days ago. And as you pointed you put, pointed out to me several times, what you've learned about the Mafia came on Christmas as you watched The Godfather. That's right. you got a good memory, Randy. Every Christmas since I was a kid, we'd, we'd, we'd huddle up around the TV and we'd hear we'd hear stories of the mafia uh, in the in the eyes of my nanu who was from Sicily and and keep in mind in the 1920s and 30s the mafia ran that country I mean it was run by it was run by the mafia so he'd have these most amazing stories and he'd watch The Godfather and he loved The Godfather not only because it obviously was a great movie but you know half of it or more than half of it was in Sicilian so he actually could finally understand the movie <laughs> compared to all his friends who were all all in English he loved that and he loved the Three Stooges because you know remember the Three Stooges there wasn't a lot of dialogue it was just that slap that slap <laughs> where they're beating up on each other so he would laugh so hard uh, but he had so many stories about the St. Louis Mafia and the Hill because obviously that's, he was you know married down there uh, at the church in St. Ambrose so he had so many stories there and you know uh, little, little things uh, a really a real quick one uh, across the Missouri Baking Company there there's these brand new apartments but there used to be this house and there is a a, a restaurant at the corner I believe it was not Erzies, uh, Gettys, or one of the, I can't think of the, the restaurant, but it was at the corner, right across Kitty Corner from Missouri Baking Company. And that used to be a, a big restaurant. And there was this house across the street. And so he would take us to the hill, and we, we would see this. And he goes, you see this house right here, Giuseppe? He called me Giuseppe. You see this house right here? I go, yeah, Nanu. He goes, this used to be the moonshine. Everyone making a moonshine here, at this house, un- underground, because, you know, this was, this was when moonshine was illegal. And I was like, well, why, why this house? He goes, ah, I'll tell you why. And because you see that, and it was a restaurant across the street. What they did is they actually built a tunnel underneath the road hmm. to the restaurant. Because back then, the FBI, when they were looking at people making moonshine, especially the mafia, they followed the sugar trail. If you bought a lot of sugar, they knew that you had to uh. moonshine. So what they did is they used the restaurant to buy all the sugar, like the bakery and the restaurant to buy the sugar, <laughs> and they would run the sugar underneath the road to this house, and they made this moonshine in the basement. So, like, you know, little funny, fascinating stories like that. Uh, he was so good about when whenever you went down the hill, and my dad obviously is a great tour guide as well. When you go down the hill, there's just so much going on and so many different details of little corners and little pockets. Uh, and still to this day, I always tell people, I mean this sincerely, if you're ever having a bad day, if you feel out of sorts, if you're lost, go down to the hill, spend a Saturday morning there, walk around, get groceries from Diggy Gorio, stop at Missouri Baking Company, uh, get coffee at the, at the cafe down there, and just walk around. It just it brings you back to your past and your roots, and it really is uh, just a really, really fulfilling thing to do. Joey V, you are brilliant. You're our favorite segment every single week. You always bring it, and we will see you at the rink soon. This sounds good. Randy, Kerry, and Brooke, you guys have a great weekend. You too. Congratulations <laughs> on the Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer, Joe Vitale. Yeah. Uh, uh, see you later. Uh, Joey V. He, isn't that great? What a great story about the sugar at the, to the restaurant. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why I've never thought about that before. But it makes sense, right? Yeah, it great. makes a lot of sense. Well, if you had some smart people running. Hmm. Yeah. Running things, and they, they probably make still do. I'm not, I'm not had. They, they have. Some of them got caught. Let's not upset them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're brilliant. I'm saying they're brilliant. The fight is next. Do you need a fighter, Matthew? Yes.
We do need a fighter. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Your name and the word fight if you'd like to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Joe. Joe, how you doing? Good, Kerry. How you doing? Doing well. You ready to take on Randy Carricker? I sure am. All right, here we go. Which Pac-12 program holds the record for different quarterbacks to start in a Super Bowl with five? Is it California, USC, or Stanford? I go Cal. All right. In total money, which Cardinals pitcher signed the largest single deal, that's free agency or extension, in club history for the position? Is it Adam Wainwright, Mike Leake, or Chris Carpenter? Ooh. I go with Wayne out. In their entire postseason history, the Cardinals have lost 21 total playoff series. They've only lost three series to one team in baseball. Which NL squad is it? The Dodgers, the Giants, or the Cubs? Three times? Yep. Uh, Giants. Final question. Which outfielder was known as the Secretary of Defense? Is it Dwight Evans, Steve Finley, or Gary Maddox? Uh, I have no idea. Um, what was the second one? Steve Finley. I go with Steve Finley. All right, we'll double check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Joe, how you feel? Just other than that uh, last not question. Great. Okay, uh, well, you know, it, it, it's a Friday, so hopefully it'll be better than what you think. As, yeah, right. <laughs> as Randy returns. Uh, Worst it's Friday, you know. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> got to take care of business. Randy, say hello to Joe. Joe, good morning. How are you? Randy, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Randy, you ready? I'm ready, sir. Which Pac-12 program holds the record for different quarterbacks to start in the Super Bowl with five? Five different quarterbacks to start. It's one Pac-12 program with five different quarterbacks. Well, let's see. Um, I'm thinking it's probably not Arizona State. No? Yeah, or Arizona. Kevin Cobb was a great quarterback. So Cal has had uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, It seems like Cal has had another one. So USC... I don't think Carson Palmer ever started in a Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Leinert never started in a Super Bowl. Pat Hayden never started in a Super Bowl. UCLA has had Aikman, obviously. Um, Seems like UCLA might have had another. Oregon, Oregon State, no. This is, okay, let me start going Super Bowls here. Um, This might be a better way to do it. Or just Super Bowl teams like Roethlisberger, no. Um, Brady, no. Um, 
uh, Super Bowl teams. Yeah, let's break this down by doing the uh, the lifeline just so that I don't have to <laughs> okay. go through every Super Bowl and every Pac-12 team. California, USC, Stanford. Oh, well, that's good. So Stanford uh, has had John Elway. This is five different quarterbacks. It's not five different Super Bowls, right? Five different quarterbacks that have started Super Bowls for a team. Um, what? So uh, let's see. I'm... I'm trying to think. Okay, I just got to go through Super Bowls here. Let's just go through some teams. Um, you know, the, the Big 12 had never had a quarterback win a Super Bowl until Patrick Mahomes did. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm throwing that, that out there. stinks. Yeah, it does. Um, okay, so I think we're we're going old school here in trying to find these quarterbacks. It seems like Cal would be... The one I'm leaving somebody else current out, uh, <laughs> uh, besides um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'll just I'll just go with Cal right off the top of my head. Question number two: In total money, which Cardinals pitcher signed the largest single deal, and that's free agency or extension in club history for the position? So it's a starting pitcher, right? Yes. Well, uh, Wayno had a $98.5 million deal. And nobody, I don't think, uh, Mike Leake had 82-ish. Carpenter never signed a deal that big. Um, I think, did anybody ever go over? No, because they haven't had many $100 million contracts. Uh, Matt Holiday had a $100 million contract. Pujols had a $100 million contract. Roland never even got to 100. So I'm going to go uh, Wayno's 98 and a half. In their entire postseason history, the Cardinals have lost 21 total playoff series. They've only lost three series to one team in baseball. Which NL squad is it? Three series to one franchise. Okay, so this is since 1969. Uh, they have lost... To Houston, uh, once uh, you know what they might have lost to the Doyers. Oh, well, you know who it probably is. So in '02 they lost to the Giants. In '14 they lost to the Giants. In '12 they lost to the Giants. San Francisco Giants. Final question: Which outfielder was known as the Secretary of Defense? The Secretary of Defense, an outfielder. Um, I think I'll go with Gary Maddox. Final answer? Yeah, sure. All right. This was an extremely close fight. Randy trying to get a clean sweep on the week while Joe is trying to come in and crash the party and send us all into the weekend with a potential second round on Monday. Oh, by the way, Carrie, if Joe wins here... It's all up to you. Randy's not here on Monday and Tuesday, so the only one stopping Joe from winning a Hall of Fame would be you if he wins today. Are you nervous about what is going to happen on the sounder over here? Nah. Not at all? Nah. All right, then ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Uh, Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Joe. You got so close. Randy Carricker needed that last one, and he got it. He beat you 4-3 to today. I saw it coming. Good job, Randy. (laughs) 
Good job, Joe, man. I, yeah, I did not see one. that coming. I, I would not have expected that I would get all four. I, I, did, I did not feel good about it that. It was a tough one today. Which Pac-12 program holds the record for different quarterbacks to start in the Super Bowl with five? It is, in fact, the California Bears. Craig Morton, Joe Cap, Vince Ferragamo, Jared Goff, and Aaron Rodgers are the five different Cal Bears to start in a Super Bowl. And I was leaving out, obviously, Jared Goff, but I thought Vince Ferragamo finished his college career at Nebraska. He's counted as a as a bear when okay. I when I when I when I go into Pro Football Reference. He is okay. listed at he is listed as a cow bear in the quarterback hmm. listings there. Um, in total money, which Cardinals pitcher signed the largest single deal for year and or extension in club history for the position? It was in fact Adam Wainwright in 2014. He signed a five year, 97 and a half million dollar extension. Still, again, no one's passed 100 except for Holiday and Pujols. In their entire postseason history, the Cardinals have lost 21 total playoff series. And Randy hit it right on the nose on all three. They've only lost three to one team. It is in fact the Giants. All of them since. 2002, 2002, 2012, and 2014. The only team the, Car- the Cardinals have lost to three different times in the postseason. And which outfielder was known as the Secretary of Defense? Another great nickname. And it was, in fact, Gary Maddox. Uh, I, I, I saw multiple quotes, including one from Ralph Kiner, the old one uh, that everyone always says, two-thirds of the world is covered by water. The other third is covered by, by Gary, Gary Maddox. Maddox. So, yep. Joe, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Joe. Uh, now, here is uh, the ever- reliable Wikipedia description of Vince Ferragamo's <laughs> career. And I'm not going to dispute this, because if you want to give him to Cal, you can. He became Cal's starting quarterback for the final three games of his true freshman season in 1972, remained the starter through the following year, chose to transfer to top-ranked Nebraska in 1974, and as a Husker, he lettered in 75 and 76. So both are claiming him, both Cal and the Nebraska oh, are okay. claiming him. By the, um, by the way, Cal still has the record if you drop off uh, Vince Ferragamo. Because yeah. it drops off to actually three starting different quarterbacks to start a Super Bowl. Purdue. It drops off to three across Alabama, Purdue, very good, and the University of Notre Dame. Alabama, Joe Namath. That's all I got. All three have won. All three won, too. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I do not have this list in front of me. I'm sorry. All three have won for Alabama? All, yeah, all uh, three Purdue started, all three Brees won. And Kyle Orton. And who's the third? Uh, Len Dawson, I believe. Okay. Not, not Kyle Orton. He wasn't a starting quarterback. Kyle Orton? Yeah. Didn't he start for the... Uh... No, that was Rex Grossman. And they lost. Yeah, Florida. And they lost. Was it? No, yeah, it was. It was... Uh, Breeze? Breeze. Len Dawson and... Are we sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, it, Kyle Orton didn't start. He didn't start that game? Yeah. We, we could do this conversation yeah, for a long time. We <laughs> Coming up, Mizzou and LSU tomorrow at Sold Out for Old Field. We'll preview this one for you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. It was a joke. <laughs> That's, that is real, by the way. That That's is really how he ended his press conference. Very funny, Brian Kelly. Hey, he's going to bring his family. Of the 23rd ranked LSU Tigers, the LSU Tigers. Uh, his family. And by the way, it's not going to be cold. People don't need to bring their clothes. He was trying to make a Columbia Jackets joke. Oh. You know, the brand. degrees below. Well, it's 11 a.m., so maybe it won't be that cold yeah. at 11 a.m. Mizzou number 21, LSU number 23 coming into this game. And LSU is, as they always are, loaded with talent. What does Eli Drinkwitz think of what he's seen of the LSU Tigers? 
You know, they have a, a really talented football team. All 11 starters on the offensive side of the ball uh, are returning starters in some sort of capacity, whether it's transfers or not. Coach Kelly referred to uh, their offense putting up uh, numbers similar to the 2019 record-setting offense. I haven't cross-keyed uh, that, but uh, or cross-examined that, but obviously very dynamic with the quarterback, the wide receivers, outstanding offensive line, running back. Um, so we have our hands full on that side of the ball. You know, defensively, they've got good players. Um, they've got a, a really good defensive coordinator who spent time with the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe won a Super Bowl there as the linebackers coach. So very capable on that side of the ball. Um, I know they didn't uh, perform the way they wanted to last week, so they'll be uh, ready to improve, and, and I'm sure ready for the challenge. And yes, I, I, I want to say I want to take my hat off to to, to drink there. Because that was coach speak. That was professional, uh, not bulletin board material, not giving your opponent something to, to lean into. That was complimenting your opponent, giving them credit for what they've done. And and your mindset should be, and we're going to go out and kick your butt. Like that, that to me was, I think... Eli Drinkowitz understands, we may not think so, but I think he understands the importance of this game for his uh, tenure as a head coach at the at, at University of Missouri and understands what this game means. That, for me, was probably one of the best sound bites that I've heard from uh, Eli Drinkowitz, hmm. maybe ever. Well, yeah, because there's times that sometimes he gives you a little bit too much or just add like an extra shot, and then it becomes headlines. Yes. And that's, and that's the thing that... You want attention for this game, but not that type of attention. Complimentary of your opponent. Give them praise. Give them credit for the work they've done. He named coaches that have done a great job, won Super Bowls. Yeah. How prepared they will be coming into this game, knowing that we have to be as prepared and we're not going to say anything and put our foot in our mouths. We're going to say everything complimentary of our opponent, and then we're going to go out there and take care of our business. And no, he was no, actually was really pretty good. nice about mm-hmm. LSU's defense because they gave up, what, like over 700 total yards against Ole Miss? He could have made some sort of joke at that, but he didn't. That was a good job. It was. Yeah. Now, the quarterback for LSU nearly attended Mizzou. He was at Arizona State, Jaden Daniels, and people thought when he came to Mizzou's spring game that he was actually going to attend Mizzou, but then he made a late turn, maybe some NIL money was involved here, and Jaden Daniels wound up at LSU. Yeah, I think he's just the sixth player in FBS history to pass for 10,000 yards and rush for 4,000 yards in his career, so... That's rare air, you know, to be able to do both. And, I mean, he's a, he's a difficult challenge because he's an elite player. You know, our defense is going to have to accept the challenge. We've got to play good, solid defense. I, I don't think you can put all your focus on him but just because they are so dynamic at wide receiver and, and have really good running backs and offensive line. So, you know, we're going to have to do a good job of playing assignment sound and doing our job and not trying to do too much. Again, perfect. Pretty simple. Yeah. Perfect. You gotta yeah. give. Oh, Rock is shaking his head. No, it's the What's worst. I hate Coach speaks so much. No, this you have to re, you have to give him credit because he yeah. gives you sound bites that that give other teams bulletin board material. You're right. And so for him to to speak what I've heard thus far, I, 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 what's the what's the uh, spread for this game? Uh, it's six and a half. He's been moving. Oh, I saw four and a half yesterday. Oh, okay. Uh, LSU somewhere. favorite. It's been yeah, yeah. It's been it's been moving all around. It's been kind of crazy. You know take what, Mizzou. Carrie, you're, you're right. I'll take Coach Speak over him showing up with like a toy lightsaber ever again. 
I don't never forget about that. Yeah. And I don't think anybody will ever forget about uh, that. But to your point, I totally agree because I think that that's just the right way to handle it moving forward. Now, I do think that sometimes it is fun hearing a, a coach with a little bit of flair, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes he kind of walks himself into those situations a yes. little bit. Yes. Kind of like when you, when you saw the quarterback competition talk earlier this season, it was something that he opened the door to. And then it was the quotes were everywhere. They right? made us seem like we were the one that did it. Like, like oh, well, you the media all are bad. Yeah. You're picking on no. You you put or next to their names like or Sam Horn. Not not. <laughs> this so, is our guy. LSU favored by four at the moment. Kerry, you've already got Mizzou. I, I'll take Mizzou in those points. I, I think uh, they keep it within four. I'll or take Mizzou to right? win outright. I, I'm going to take Mizzou to win. I think that this is a huge chance, especially after LSU, the way you that they lost so... to Ole Miss. As I mentioned, LSU's defense gave up like 700 yards, like over 700 yards. It was not a great game for them. I think that this could be possibly decided defensively. And Blake Baker, I, I know that we talked to Mike Kelly yesterday, and he pointed out some issues, but I think this could come down to the front seven defensively and how that will pan out. Over under is 65. Go. 35-30 would be a push. Ooh. That sounds like a lot of points. That does sound I go, like a lot of points. I would go under on the points. I'm gonna go can, over. I, can I say something? For, yeah. for, for Rock is over there in pain, and I think it's because what we're happened? speaking positively about the Mizzou Tigers and giving them credit. Hold on, let me tell you, because he's a person that doesn't believe in the secret, You're but however does not want you to speak. It's putting it out in the environment, into the atmosphere, that they're going to succeed, and in his mind... That's too much that's, positivity. There you go. There's, yeah, there's, 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 See what I'm saying? There is way too much positivity right now I just, on the Mizzou yeah. Tigers football. This is terrifying. I just hope <laughs> The fact that yeah. every one of you, oh God, that that I mean, I took them at the points. I didn't take them to win outright. No, I here's them to win outright. So okay, then explain why you think that. that they won't win. Here's then. why. What is Brooke, your I can tell you totally why. Because he's they're Mizzou. Okay, there you go. Well, because they're looking ahead to Kentucky. Ah, uh, yeah. LSU's getting overlooked here. Oh, uh, that's why. Oh yeah. I don't think you should overlook LSU at home. No. When you're five Kentucky's number twenty in the country. They're pretty good. Yeah. So Mizzou and. LSU tomorrow. It's on Big ESPN at 11 o'clock. Coming up, the Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Nine oh seven in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Robert Thomas set to join us in just a few moments. The Blues Center. The playoffs in baseball start the division series tomorrow at noon. St. Louis time, Texas and Baltimore. Game one between Minnesota and Houston at three forty-five. Philly and Atlanta at five oh seven St. Louis time, and then tomorrow night at eight twenty, Arizona and the Dodgers. The Braves have been the best team in baseball throughout the course of this season. Of course, Philadelphia went to the World Series last year. Brian Snicker, Braves manager, why has your squad been so good for such a long stretch this year? Number one, I think Alex is really good with retooling our club. And, and I think every year we have a lot of different guys. I think some of it's too. We got some young major leaguers that are continuing to improve. Um, you know, they're still not old big leaguers yet. And, and I think they're figuring things out. And, uh, you know, they got a great air about them, how they stay consistent with their work and, and um, preparation and the energy with which they play. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to that, too. 
They're such a great story, the Braves are. I love the fact that they have, of their nine starters, including their designated hitter, eight of them have played at least 139 games. Uh, Olsen, 162. Albies, 148. Arcia, 139. Riley, 159. Rosario, 142. Michael Harris, 138. Acuna, 159. And Ozuna, Marcelo Ozuna, their DH, 144. So they've had a consistent lineup throughout the season. Even though they've lost pitching here and there, they've had enough pitching depth so that they've been able to win. And... He is a veteran manager that gets it. He he understands what the strengths and weaknesses of his players are and plays to the strengths of his players, Brian Snicker does. He does, and he's like a filtration system where he's able to balance the analytics that are coming in from, obviously, the analytics department and even their front offices, maybe how they want to see them in action. He's able to be a filtration system and how that gets to the players because he also mentioned about how then once the game happens, of course, they take in the game planning and the numbers are a part of it. The analytics are a part of it. But then once the game ha- happens, it's about his gut instincts and the feel for the game. The eye test. We keep talking about the eye test. I feel like you have seen that play out so far with the teams that are successful, the ones who are making it making it mm-hmm. a deep postseason run. They're able to have managers that are trusted to have the eye test and use their gut instincts and do that. And also buying into the clubhouse culture and how much that plays into things because I know when we talked about this earlier we got some texts in that say well winning you know creates a good clubhouse culture I totally agree with that but you could also look at it as couldn't you say that the clubhouse culture creates that winning yeah right you can't, you can't I mean have that's, one without the other exactly yeah usually I mean sometimes you can have a bad clubhouse culture and, and just have guys that find ways to win but normally yeah. speaking when you all are you know, when it becomes like family, like those people are you, the people you're around more than your actual family, especially baseball. I mean, they, they spend six months, you know, on the road in hotels, flying all over the country. And so they have so much time that they spend with each other. It, it makes life easier to win games when you actually like each other, when you yeah. actually are playing for the person next to you. And I think, you know, Rob Thompson, Brian Snicker have done a great job of creating an environment where players are trusted and the managers are trusted because of all of the work that they put in together. And we spent a lot of time this year talking about the Mets and Padres specifically for all the money they spend. Philadelphia spends a lot of money. They give a lot of money to Zach Wheeler. I believe he's uh, still among the top five highest paid pitchers, but they go out and get Harper. They go out and get Castellanos. They sign Kyle Schwarber. But the big thing for them is that the, the big boys are able to take the mound, take the ball, and then shove and Zach Wheeler in game one against the Marlins in the playoffs goes six and two thirds he allows one one run on five hits and then the very next day you send out Aaron Nola for game two and Nola gives them seven innings seven shutout innings you're getting six and two thirds seven out of your starting pitchers whatever the era you're in pretty good shape that that that's what the 82 Cardinals got out of their starting pitchers when they won the World Series. It doesn't matter what time it is, whether it's the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 10s, 20s. If you have pitchers giving you innings, you have a great chance to win. And that, I think, plays into letting the players be themselves, mm-hmm. right? When you have built that trust with them and you know what they're capable of and you've built that confidence over time, over the season, over the years, then you know that you can allow them to go out there and do that. And that, I think, just also adds to that winning culture and clubhouse 
Boston mentality that you're seeing with the Phillies and Braves that is the envy amongst all the other clubs right now. When you're looking at that, you want to have the Braves model, right? And then when you see with the Phillies and what Rob Thompson has done, what you were talking about, CD, is he's just letting those guys be themselves. Yeah, and and using the eye test and letting personality take over, there's a lot to be said for these players, as Tony Lewis has said, and I agree with 100%. Letting them be men, not machines. Not expecting the players to be robots. All the playoffs tomorrow, and uh, you've got four games. And then on Sunday, by the way, in game two for the Rangers, you'll see Jordan Montgomery get another start. Coming up, the Blues with a victory last night in Dallas in uh, the first game that they've had their entire lineup together. We're going to talk to Robert Thomas about that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas scores! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we look forward to another year of chatting weekly with Blues Center Robert Thomas, who joins us on the Celebrity Line right now here on 101 ESPN, your home of the St. Louis Blues. Robert, good morning. How are you doing? Morning, guys. Good to be back. We're thrilled to have you with us again, and it's good to start another season. I'll bet you guys are ready now, especially after last night and having all the regular guys play. Are, Are you ready just to start playing against other teams and have the games count in the standings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, anytime these are kind of the dog days of the of the summer, because uh, especially when you don't make playoffs, you have a long summer to begin with. But uh, we're getting down to you know you're you're a week away from from the regular season starting up, and uh, everyone's just excited to get going. Robert, we saw each other at the uh, big league impact over the su- event over the summer, and and you kind of talked about just how grueling the season was and and how it left a bad taste in your mouth. Are you really excited about what this team brings uh, for this twenty three twenty four season? Yeah, uh, everyone was pretty pissed off, that's for sure. And um, a lot of us, you know, spent a lot of time this summer being pissed off. So uh, we're all we're all really excited. Um, you know, we. We got a lot to prove. We got we're looking for some redemption, and uh, it's an exciting time to to be in this locker room and to be heading into the season. When you look back at the twenty two twenty three season, what were some of the things that you thought went wrong uh, and, and need to be needed to be fixed for this season? Yeah, there's a lot of things. I think uh, obviously our defensive play wasn't good enough. Um, that's from the forwards to the D and uh, all around. So uh, I think that was one one major key and. Um, just staying in it, staying in the fight. Um, you know, I felt like last year we'd get a couple of bounces and they'd score three goals in the matter of seven minutes, and then you're chasing from behind. So uh, I think that's another key that we're, we're really focusing on in camp, and uh, we've done well so far in the preseason. Braden Shin was named the captain, Robert, and then you were named, along with Justin Falk and Colton Pareko, Pareko, assistant captains. What does that mean to you to be named an assistant captain going into the season? And Shin mentioned the importance of making sure of getting the locker room together early on. So what are you guys as leaders doing to make sure that that happens? Yeah, I think uh, I think we're in a good place right now. Um, you know, everyone's so determined for the season to start and excited. Um, a lot of guys have a lot to prove, so... Uh, I think it's it's more a lead by committee. I know we we have the letters, but 
um, you know, our whole team's in on this and our whole team's bought in right from the get-go. So uh, it's an exciting time to, to be coming together. And um, I know we're all just itching for, for that first game on Thursday. Robert, I've heard that uh, Kevin Hayes is really a funny guy. What have your impressions been of him during training camp? Is he as funny as uh, some of your teammates are saying he is? Yeah, yeah, he's a big goofball. So good. Uh, he, he keeps it light, and um, yeah, gotten to gotten to know him quite a bit over the years. Um, obviously, the family ties with the Kachucks. So um, I've uh, I've got to know him, and couldn't be happier to have him here. And uh, I know he's only been here for a little bit, but he, he's loving the blue note. From your perspective, how important is it to have a goofball in the room with you? Yeah, it's always fun. Um, I mean. You know the season's long. Um, you get into some some tough times with schedules and travel and all that stuff. So um, having some guys to keep it keep it light and uh, you know kind of bring the room up are, are always important. Robert, you you um, you all were talking about how how exciting this season is and and looking forward to it. What have you learned about some of the new guys that are there and, and some of the guys that got there late last year? Yeah, learned a lot. Um, I think. Um, obviously you get to know, know people more the, the longer they're here, but, um, you know, hockey wise, I think just, just the preparation, even from those guys, um, who were only a part of it for a little bit at the end, um, the way that they responded to being pissed off, um, and coming into camp ready to go, I think is, is very important. And, um, you know, shows a lot about their character. Robert, I'm sure you guys don't put too much stake into what national writers are saying about the team going to the season, but it was interesting. We've discussed this the past few days. The Athletic doesn't seem to be too high on you guys. They have you guys ranking ranked 26 going to the season. Do you guys look at that as a challenge and motivation to prove people like that wrong? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, we don't pay too much attention to it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's always nice to prove people wrong. I think, um, you know, we did it back in 2019. I know it was a little bit ago now, but um, we seem to always be, you know, looking to prove people wrong. And, um, you know, it's something we, we all take to heart and um, love to do. So, um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm just excited for the season. And I can't say it enough. Hey, Robert, one more thing from me. Uh, you've had some coaching changes. You think that as we watch as fans that what you do will be recognizable if it's different? Or is it? are you going to basically have the same Craig Berube style just with some different guys? Yeah, I think it uh, depends on how close you watch it. Um, no, there will be, there'll be some different stuff. Um, you know, I think for the people that, you know, really know hockey, they'll, they'll notice a difference. But uh, overall, I think it's the same team identity. And um, so I, I don't know if that really answers your question, but um, that's kind of that's kind of it. Yeah. What, one of the things is it seems like the power play is going to at least based upon what we've seen in preseason, which you can't take to the bank. But it looks like there are some different things on the power play. Uh, a little bit. Uh, just different looks. Um, you know, a couple guys, uh, you know, us on the power play have kind of worked through it, worked on it throughout the summer and kind of looked for different things and watched some videos. So uh, there's definitely some minor different setups and uh, the way the puck's kind of moving around. So, Robert, when I would uh, get prepared for a season, obviously first game of the year, you got all the adrenaline flowing. My favorite thing was the, the first time to hit someone in a different colored jersey. I, I, that really, you knew you were finally back into the regular season. What's your favorite part of, of opening night? And is it scoring a goal, getting a great assist, you know, hitting somebody? What, what's the favorite part about the first game of the year? 
Ah, the win. That's, that's the best part. Um, uh, obviously, yeah, the adrenaline's pumping throughout the game. Um, you know, both teams are are kind of flying around the first the first five ten minutes. It's not the best hockey. It's kind of everyone running around and got way too much adrenaline in their system. But um, you know, last few years we, we've done well on opening night. Um, so just that excitement after the first win is is always my favorite part. We're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to a great 23-24 with you joining us every week. And one week from this morning, we'll be talking about that Blues opening win in Dallas. Robert, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. Robert Thomas, Blues assistant captain and number one setter here on 101 ESPN. Oh, there you go. That's a big plug right there. It is. Yeah. yeah well, it, uh, he he kind of became that guy even right off the bat last year, right? Even yeah. though O'Reilly was still here, Robert was the guy. And he's still... We tend to think, oh, well, he's been around forever. Well, he has, but he was 19, so he's 24 he years old. Yeah. So he's still growing as nice. a player. We got a, yesterday, we got a Robert Thomas bobblehead hmm. as one of our presents. Hmm. Or, but I said that should have been, because they also have a, a parade one, getting ready for all the promotions. That's for Bennington, yeah. Yeah, they have a parade one for Bennington, but they gave us a Robert Thomas one. Hmm. I said the parade one should have been Robert Thomas with the beer. During the parade. Absolutely. Because that was like an iconic moment in itself. Yeah, it was. You know? Yeah. A lot of people upset about that, but it was all in good fun. If you can drink when you're 18 in Canada and 19, then. And, and this brought to you by Bud Light. Have them exactly. Great marketing. Sponsorship. Listen We're to thinking us. about it. <laughs> Coming up here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, Michelle Smallman just finished Unsportsmanlike about a half hour ago. And. Our former co-host and producer and all of that stuff, great friend, Michelle Smallman, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and every morning before us, you hear... Unsportsmanlike with our own Michelle Smallman, along with Evan Cohen and Chris Canty. Michelle got off the air about a half hour ago and is taking the time to join us on a Friday morning before a weekend in which she'll probably get some sleep. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I am doing well. Good morning to all of you. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, how are the mornings, uh, the early mornings? How are they agreeing with you? You know what? If we're being honest, Randy, not great. It's not really fun to stay up and watch Thursday night football till what, 10, 30, 11 o'clock and have your alarm go off at 4 a.m. It's not exactly ideal, but if we make it fun, you know, and it, I guess it brings a little bit of element of surprise. We're all kind of delirious and we lack sleep every day. So you really never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm still getting used to the mornings, Michelle. So I, I've already texted <laughs> you about it. Any advice that you have will, will help. I'm already doing lots of coffee. I'm sure you do, too. Oh, absolutely. I think I'm on my fourth. I stopped and got one on the way home uh, so that I could do this interview with you guys. And I think it's my fourth <laughs> coffee of the day. Um, so that can't be great for your health, Brooke. I don't know if you want to follow any um, recommendations I have for you because it's just over-caffeinate and get used to a lack of sleep. <laughs> well, of course, we have to ask you about the Cardinals. I know that we talked to you about uh, it a little bit earlier this season, but Michelle, it finally ended and I think that it's a good thing that it finally ended but now there's a lot of question marks going in the offseason just overall what were your thoughts on the Cardinals this year I still kind of can't believe that it went down the way it did guys you know now that we're officially in the postseason the regular season is over when you're looking back you're like 
really? Did this really happen to the St. Louis Cardinals? And one of the things that's really been bothering me as I watched the first round of the postseason is all of the former Cardinals and connections to the Cardinals that we see and other organizations that are in the postseason. It was really brutal for me to watch Marlins Phillies and have the ESPN broadcast talk about what a great find Skip Schumacher was and how Kim Ng and the Marlins couldn't be more pleased with him because he brings over a winning culture from St. Louis and he's bringing over John Mabry and John Jay and these are people that know how to win and they have instilled in such a short window of time this culture in Miami and obviously that didn't translate to a long run of postseason success but you feel good about the Marlins and where they're headed and it just kind of struck me and watching that and then watching you know Adolis Garcia and Jordan Montgomery all of these former Cardinals that are sprinkled throughout uh, Major League Baseball how I don't feel that way that Miami feels about Skip and the culture in St. Louis, which is rare because even when the Cardinals had maybe had early outs in the postseason and we had questions, we never really questioned the culture. We never really questioned St. Louis's ability to identify and retain talent in the manner in which we did. It just kind of feels like they're a ship without a name, right? Like they do not have the same identity that they once did. And that's going to happen when – Albert is gone, and Yachty is gone, and now Wayno is gone. Like, there are no traces of the Tony LaRusa Cardinals left in St. Louis. And I just think it's going to be really interesting this offseason and, and bleeding into next season to see what the identity of this next chapter of Cardinals baseball ends up becoming. Okay, so Michelle, which player or players do the Cardinals need to add via free agency or, or via trade to make this team better in 24? Give me some pitchers that can just eat up some innings and throw some strikes. Like, I mean, is anyone giving you any other answer other than pitching? That's the main answer we're getting from from all over the place. I'm trying to figure out which pitchers. I mean, we've heard about Blake Snell, maybe Aaron Nola, potentially D- Dylan Cease, maybe via trade. There are so many names, but my question has been: Are the Cardinals going to be willing to spend money this offseason? How much are they willing to spend to get which players they need to to be successful? If they're not willing to spend money, they're not willing to have a different outcome. And I think you cannot waste the window with which you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You didn't fortify the pitching this offseason. You're sitting at home watching the playoffs. If you want to get back to the postseason, you cannot wait and see what you have and then take the usual route with, oh, maybe we'll add at the deadline. That is not going to fly. They need to act with a sense of urgency. And unfortunately for them, that's going to mean spending some money. Uh, Michelle, I know you watched a lot of Cardinal baseball, and down the stretch they acquired a pitcher named Casey Lawrence. They had Andre Pallante here, and then uh, they added into the mix one other guy, my old friend Chris Vonderha. Uh, and so when they would bring those three guys in, and when it would be Pallante, we'll give him Verhagen now, and Casey Lawrence, okay. I started calling them the Holy Trinity. Uh, is What do you think of that name for those three relievers for the for the Cardinals? Well, I think it's a good nickname, Randy, but do you really want to assign it to those guys? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. I, you, know, you know what I'm bummed about is I finally figured out Drew Verhagen and now he's going to be gone. <laughs> it took you long oh and I could give you a mouth. That's so bad, Randy. <laughs> Don't you miss that, Michelle, the, the good nicknames that have come through? Oh, absolutely. And you know, Randy's always good for a nickname. Uh, what was the the hockey one? Um, 
they can walk or what Made up. Oh my God, Randy. So <laughs> I know that he very politely co-signed on it, but Nadab is that. We can't have Nadab. What about no J-Dub? What about Jordan Walker? J-Dub? I don't know. He's such a special talent. He deserves something a little bit more capital than J-Dub, don't you think? Uh, maybe. Okay, so Mason Wynn already has a middle name that he's called Blaze. He's also got the Energizer Bunny. However, I was tasked by Greg mm. Amzinger to come up with a nickname for Cardinal players. Mason Wynn is from <laughs> Kingwood, Texas. What about the Kingwood Cannon? The Kingwood Cannon. His arm is a cannon and the ball flies off his bat like a cannon. I don't hate it. I actually don't hate it. It's giving me old school, like, salt and swat vibes, you know? Yeah. But I, I just don't know if we want to, you know, if he's going to be ours in St. Louis. So I just don't know if we want to have his nickname identifying another city, even though that's where he came from. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be something that I think is unique to St. Louis. Well, here's the thing, Michelle. Mickey Mantle was from Commerce, Oklahoma. He was the Commerce Comet, even though he played his Ooh. entire career with the Yankees. So I'm I'm going with the, the Mickey Mantle vibe here. The Kansas Comet? Yeah. 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 Do, you think, do you think maybe we should wait until he actually is consistently oh, awesome oh, before Michelle, we give him a nickname? Michelle, hold on, <laughs> because Randy has done this a few times this season. So Paul DeYoung was uh, Hannes Wagner. Richie Palacios has become Willie Mays. Yep. And, and who am I missing? Well, I'm missing one that we uh, – uh-oh, Zach Thompson is, is Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. So we, we he, he doesn't wait, uh, Michelle. He just he just throws them out there, and, and, and we hope and pray that they become half the player that he's, he's claiming them to be. <laughs> well, we've been hoping and praying a lot, guys. Yeah, we, we do. Or a small okay. percentage. Yeah. So as, uh, as longtime listeners know – when Michelle and I started in May of 2020, right during the pandemic, we quickly, because we had a lot of time to fill, we became a Miami Dolphins <laughs> show. My, uh, Michelle grew up as a Miami Dolphins fan, her dad's favorite player, Dan Marino. So we took a vote and the listeners made us a, a Miami Dolphins show, which I absolutely loved. But then I, I had to deviate. We all had to. Because Kerry won a Super Bowl with the, the Steelers, so we're a yeah. Steelers show. We actually, Michelle, we, we traded in the Dolphins golf bag for a Steelers golf bag. We did. Oh, wow. Now, yeah. listen, I understand, CD, why we would go with Pittsburgh. You've got the lineage. I respect it. Thank you. But it's a really bad time to get off the Dolphins. <laughs> it kind of is. Kinda it is. is. Yeah. yeah they, they, got, they got some high-powered offense down there, some, some track speed on that offensive side of the football down there right now. Yeah, it's pretty fun to watch. And we put in the time, Randy. I think we should get the fruits of our misery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to disagree. So I'm going to go all uh, – Chris Russo does ESPN. Have you run across him, by the way, uh, doing uh, first – Oh, yeah. So I, I'm, oh, yeah, same at the seaport. He's great. Okay, great. So I'm going to go a little bit Christopher Russo on you. So, uh, Michelle, uh, Miami Dolphins, what, what do you got for me? <laughs> Okay, well, I got a couple things for you. Now, they give us these unbelievable stat packets at ESPN, and I always comb through them and try and find some interesting nuggets. And I've got one stat I know you'll love, Randy, and then another stat for, um, I, I guess, like the small Dolphins Nation in St. Louis, if anybody is still on board, that will make them feel great about this weekend's game versus the Giants, even though I don't really need to say much more than that. They're playing the New York Giants. So if you had any <laughs> doubts about them coming off the loss to Buffalo, they're playing the New York Giants. So I think it's going to be good. But we know that when this offense is clicking, which other than the loss to Buffalo last week, they have been the entire season, they're the most sound unit in the NFL. They're averaging 8.02 yards per play this season, which is the second most 
most by any team through four games in a season in NFL history. Do you know which team uh, beats them in this category? I'm going to say 2000 St. Louis Rams. Absolutely. The 2000 Great Toronto Rams, 8.14 yards per play. And the funny thing about this, 8.14 yards per play for the Great Toronto And they kicked that number up to 8.51 through five games after they had 614 yards of total offense against the Chargers in week five. That team was unbelievably fun to watch. Ridiculous. Okay, now here's my get-right stat for the Dolphins and the Giants. So we know that the Dolphins' offense is high-powered, and they score a lot of points. And Tua, historically this season, has been great at getting the ball out fast. Well, that is bad news for the New York Giants. They've been outscored 77-9 to in the first half this season. And so many of Tua's strengths with Miami are weaknesses for the Giants. So Tua ranks first in yards per attempt on throws with motion. And the Giants' defense in that exact same category ranks 24th this season. So I think, you know, obviously this is not rocket science here, guys. Look for Tua and this Dolphins offense to get right versus the Giants and absolutely eat up that defense. All right, we'll we'll get our fan duel going here. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best. It's so fun to listen to you as I'm driving in. We uh, really enjoy the show and love having you on here in your hometown. And we're we're getting a million texts. You're beloved here in St. Louis, Michelle. So it's great to hear your voice. And we'll do this on a regular basis. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Would love to join you anytime. And thank you not only to you guys, but to everyone out there for the support. It's been so great to have St. Louis behind me as I embark on this new national venture. Have a great weekend. See you later. Bye, guys. Thank you. Take care. Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. That was fun. I like the I like the Dolphins info. Now is definitely the time to be a Dolphins yeah. fan. So. Yeah, they, they took a Bad loss last week. That was, yeah. Yeah, It's a Buffalo. Yeah, Yeah, Buffalo. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be in the playoffs. And and the the key for them is going to be getting that game at home. You don't want to play in Buffalo on the road. You got to keep two in in January. Not in December and January. No, thank you. Yeah, no. Play in Miami. It's still going to be nice nice warm weather. We're going to head down the stretch of uh, this week of the opening drive with a little rock and roll. Plus, I think we've got the betting slip coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. has a big weekend coming up in addition to a football game against Ledoux. You've got more than that. Yeah, Sunday I will be signing autographs at uh, Orlando Gardens for the St. Louis Sports Collectors and it'll be me, myself, uh, former Cardinal Mike Nieto and World Series champs Mike Pagliarulo. So we'll be down there signing autographs 10 o'clock, 10.30. Which one? The one in Maryland Heights? In, uh, yes. No, 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 not Maryland Heights. Oh, South County. Yeah, South South County. County. Okay, good. South County. There's two of them. What is yeah. the most interesting thing you've ever had to sign? A baby. Hmm. A baby? A baby. Like somebody actually presented An their baby, baby to you? Yeah, it's kind of strange. A baby, a, a, a woman, uh, cleavage, I guess. <laughs> cleavage. Uh, that didn't, didn't bother me. What's wrong me. with that? No, that, not at all. But, uh, but a baby, like a baby. People, I, no, thank you. I'll sign the baby's jersey. So they just uh, said sign our baby's yeah, head. Yeah, you know, people are fanatics. That's what fans are, and they are 
fanatic. So, you kinda, so But then you, you can't keep that on the baby. No, you gotta, they, so what's the point? I don't know. It's it's, people are, so it's Super people Bowl champ Gary Davis, Sunday, Orlando Gardens. What yes. time? Uh, 1030. All right. I'll be down there. All right. So head on over and bring get your baby. Tom Dieto. Did I say Mike? Yeah. Tom Dieto. And Tom Mike Pagliarulo. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Pagliarulo. Yeah. Yeah. The bring former, your babies. Former uh, jockey third baseman, Mike Pagliarulo. <laughs> so who very easily, I guess, could have been involved with our discussion the other day. Which discussion? Randy. The one where it's people whose names end with vowels. Randy. <laughs> Rocky O. Rocky O. As long as you're not doing the hand motions like Brooke was, just yeah. so culturally insensitive over there. Stop <laughs> it. No. That's just doing the insensitive. Johnny Manziel. They're culturally it's insensitive. It's the money signs. It's the money signs. Oh, okay. signs Johnny Manziel. No, you got to move, you gotta move yeah, the thumb. You know. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? See? No. <laughs> <laughs> We are respectable rock. people. Uh-oh. You and I need to have our own podcast. We could just argue for Can two, three it? hours. Oh, it would I mean, be awesome. Yeah. It would be awesome. I want to film it. It facial expressions. It would be all, just me and Rock going back and forth on opinions. Nothing. It doesn't even have to be sports related. Just life opinions. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would we could get that out of us for, for three I, hours. I think it would be therapeutic. <laughs> Uh, lessons will be learned. I don't know if any I, lessons will be learned. I think Maybe so. from, I think so, yeah. from the outside, where I know you two look at us like, what the hell is wrong no, with these I guys? No, I thoroughly enjoy the discussion. <laughs> I seriously do. I'm like, I, I'm like in the middle of it, just like, yes, continue yeah. this. Turner this is so me, interesting. Turner gave me some advice. I said, you know, I said, you know, I think Rock is. He just goes. He said, he said, CD, it's both of you. I said, oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Oh, Tanner. So we sit at a conference table after the show to put together the next show that we're going to do, <laughs> and these two will be arguing, and Brooke and I will be. What do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think? But of it's this? so we'll entertaining. Put, so, yeah, oh, but we're we're half listening because you only have to half listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> they only do. And yeah, then, we uh, don't. Uh, and we then really ultimately, do. do you guys even realize like when I pack up my computer and put my my no, backpack on my we're, shoulder? No. We're still in there for yeah, another no 15, 15 The amount of time in mid-sentence one of us will be like, see you guys. Uh, <laughs> so here, yeah. Yeah, what do you got for us? Well, yesterday, uh, last week we went 3-3 three and three, uh, on the betting slip. We are now 13-10-1 through the season so far. Our wins Where were... our money? Our wins were, yeah. old, our wins were Ole Miss, Give the you Texans... Another 500. What's happening? Our, our wins were Ole Miss plus 2.5. They obviously won outright. Steelers and Texans came in under their 45 and a half, and we got City with the win. Our losses was we took Vanderbilt with the points. Obviously, they got beat by 17. Washington just barely beat Arizona despite being favored by 20, and we took the Dolphins over the Bills, and that one did not go so well. So let's get a new betting slip. Let's get six more bets out here that you can take to the bank this weekend. Let's start off with college football. I'm not touching LSU and Mizzou on this one. You guys already talked about how positive you are, and I hated every moment of it. So let's talk about the other game going oh off. Let's talk about the other game going off at 11 a.m. The Red River Rivalry or the Shootout. Yes, yeah, you, you don't want to say that on accident. It used to be called the Shootout. You can't anymore. Can't call oh, it apparently you can't anymore. Uh, Red River Red River Rivalry. Red River rivalry. <laughs> number 12 OU. Number two Texas. I did it once. Plus five and a half for OU. Uh, minus five and a half for number two or number three Texas. Excuse me. The over under is 60 and a half. Any numbers popping out for you there? I'm taking Texas. In the points, they they will win by more than five and a half. I like that. Texas is like, a really good football team. They are. Yeah, they are. Yes. Yeah. 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 I kind of like the over there too. What's the 60 over? And Sixteen and a half. Ooh. 
<sighs> well, it's not a shootout anymore, 12. though. Yeah. Football is always... Yeah, you take, the over, take the over in Big 12. Yeah, right. In that yeah. game, it always should be over. Yeah. Yeah. The over. And then uh, SEC battle, Kentucky number 20. They travel to number one, Georgia. They're getting 14 and a half points. Does Georgia have enough to cover that? I think this might be the year they don't know. Kirby no. Smart said they can lose any week, so well, why not? Here's the thing. <laughs> may not lose. When did he say that? He said did that he yesterday. Oh, yeah. really? He sounded Jeez. like drink. I yeah. thought it was drink, but it was Kirby Smart. <laughs> <laughs> the way I look at this, Kentucky runs the ball so well, they'll be able to – they'll shorten this game. And I would think that this game has a good chance to go under, and they'll keep it within 14. They're going to try to here's, – here's what they're going to do. Mike Stoops is going to try to keep that game close for the fourth quarter. I guarantee you, that's the way they'll play it. Yeah, you, you stay if you keep your keep yourself in the game, anything can happen. So yeah. you know, as long as they don't get blown out, Georgia doesn't seem as as potent as they have in no, the past few years. No, so. who would have, would have ever thought they'd really miss Stetson Bennett? Right. Oh, you know? and, and things are not going well for him, by the way. No, no, no. You haven't seen that? Mm-hmm. Probably no. didn't want to put him in L.A. Probably not a good mix. No. Yeah. No. And then let's go to our final college one of the game. That's going to be College Station. It's almost a pick as number 11 in Bama travels to face off against Texas A&M. And Bama's only given up a point and a half. Minus one and a half for Bama, plus one and a half for Texas A&M. Essentially a pick do you like either of these teams here? Again, Texas a home. I don't like this game at all because nope. I don't think Alabama is as talented as they no. have been, and I don't think that A&M is very well coached. And I don't think that this is one of those games where in the past you would have said, okay, Saban's going to get Jimbo, but I don't think he has enough players yeah. to get Jimbo I was going to say, I like Texas A&M maybe in this one. I think it'll be close, but... I like, yeah. I like Bama. We can stay off of this one. Everyone's yeah. disagreeing. We'll stay off of that one. Let's move to the, uh, the NFL slate. Are we taking Michelle's advice and are we betting the Finns? They are getting... They are, have to cover 11 and a half points, but they are, again, hosting the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the What's the temperature in Miami? Probably around 75 right now. That ain't hot enough. One of the worst things you can do, and CD, I know you've had to do this, playing a Monday night and then traveling. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Especially listen. when you're a bad team. You never had to do it as a bad team. No. Okay, no. so we're taking so, fins. Take, take Miami. 11 and a half yeah. there. And in Miami. Yeah. I, I don't know what the temperature is going to be. I don't know if I it's still... You have yes. What's the Your weather report is that it will be high 80s this oh, weekend. Take it, Miami. Yeah. Okay. High. Ooh, that's gonna feel Not like rainy. Chase Claypool. Ooh. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be still. Yeah. Still kind of smug. <laughs> A little hard to breathe down there. <laughs> All Chase Claypool's trade, by the way, if you didn't hear, Chase Claypool uh, traded with a seventh from the Bears to the Dolphins for a sixth. And all he does for Miami is provide another weapon for Immaculate Grid. That's it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that's it. my no. God. I definitely oh, wow. didn't expect that. <laughs> wow. Damn, that was good. That was Randy. good. Dolphin and Steeler. You, oh, you can't think God. of any Dolphin. Minka Fitzpatrick, I guess. Oh, right? man. Oh, no. And well, in a bear, bear and dolphin, bear, and, dolphin, dolphin, bear, stealer. Yeah, yeah there's Cutler. a lot of it. Jay Cutler. So you, now you got another one. <laughs> bear, stealer. Then. I need now one. You got one. Oh yeah, uh, right. Yeah, bear, stealer. That's hard. I need one other we, football we, we pick. We had that though with him. <laughs> yeah. I need one other football pick, Randy. In which favor do you want? Do you want the Chiefs minus three and a half against the Vikings, or the Eagles minus four and a half against the Rams? Both of those are away games. Give me so the Chiefs. Scary. I, I'm going to take the, the Chiefs, Chiefs too. People are are really concerned about the Eagles this week against the Rams. I don't know why. But the Rams have been playing good defensively, so give Raheem Morris credit there. Yeah, Kansas City, 
Three points? Yeah. And oh, with the Vikings? Mm-hmm. Vikings going to turn the ball over at least three times. You're right yeah. about that Two one. Two or yeah. three yeah. times. Chiefs, let's go yeah. with the Chiefs. And then one other yes. one, I need us to take a baseball underdog. You get the Phillies minus plus 64 in their series against the Braves. The Twins plus 22 um, against the Astros. The Rangers plus 100 against the Orioles. Or the Diamondbacks plus 184 against the Dodgers. I Rangers. Think Rangers. Yeah. Rangers. Rangers yeah. over Orioles? Yep. All right. Yep. Yeah. Rangers plus 100. There it Take is. That real is baseball over the analytics every time. There it is. Okay. sending out Strider. Rangers yeah. plus 100 to beat the Orioles is going to be the bet. The Chiefs minus 3.5 over the Vikings. The Finns minus 11.5 over the Giants. We're going to take Kentucky plus 14.5 against Georgia. And then we're going to take Texas over o- OU with the 5.5 points. And if you want to add another one there, you can take the over on the 60.5 in the game. All right. There's your betting slip. Cool. Uh, this weekend, one of my all-time favorite Cardinal players, Brian Jordan, is having his golf tournament down in Atlanta. He's having it on Monday. So I'm going to be off on Monday and Tuesday. So I'll be oh. back with you guys on Wednesday. Look at you. We need to with get on schedule. your golf schedule. Yeah. I'm working on it. Get on your <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, just protect the fight for me. That's all I ask. I got you. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Beard and brain. Yeah, he's trust. Been doing, amazing. Been doing pretty good. Yes. You've been fantastic. Great, you. great job today by our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? Yes. How about that? How about that? I love the Royal Wave. Good job. CD? Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who's saying that? You want to see my face? I always want you to beat the Rams. Doesn't matter what Rams. I always want you to beat the Rams. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Good. Uh, We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We have a balloon party coming up with T-Mac. Or no, it's Danny Mac. Danny Mac. Yeah, with a balloon party, Danny Mac in for T-Mac and Ajax. For all of us, well, these guys, until Monday at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.